Blog Talk Radio. That fantastic Burke family returns now with the promise of a better life for all. Let's welcome back to Stair Step. Miami Hurricanes sitting at 7-5. and five. Outside of relevance once again as college football heads towards its more meaningful moments of 2018, it's safe to say that there will come a day when things are a little easier and things are a little brighter. Let's all say an old child please to that. But the coaches, they didn't waste any time crying over their spilled milk this week. They hit the road recruiting. 
crisscrossing South Florida, the state, venturing to places like Texas and California and Connecticut. It's a three-week stampede with a lot of tough battles ahead, and it's going to be interesting to see how things shake out on December the 19th. In the meantime, Miami is awaiting its bold destination. The best guess we can make as we sit here tonight is that one of the four Tier 1 games affiliated with the ACC after the playoff and New Year's Six Bowls are determined will pick Miami. We think it's going to be the Tax Slayer Bowl, the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville, which is holding a New Year's Eve night date. But also in that tier are the Belk Bowl in Charlotte, the Sun Bowl in El Paso, Texas, and the Pinstripe Bowl in New York. I'm sure, like everyone else out there, I think you got to hope for Jacksonville or New York. Uh, probably not a ton of interest in going to Charlotte if it's not for the ACC championship game. And I know not too many people want to go to El Paso or back to El Paso if they were there the last time the Canes were there. So um, pull for the Gator Bowl, pull for the Pinstripe Bowl. Either one of those would be nice. And uh, we should know more on bowl games by the end of the week. So that sets the table for tonight as we begin a new edition of Kane Sport Live. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com. And I welcome you once again to Kane Sport Live, presented this season by Sicilian Oven, with six spectacular restaurants throughout the South Florida area. At Sicilian Oven, you'll not only love the taste, you will taste the love. And unfortunately, there's going to be a, a lot of days ahead where you might want to go to Sicilian Oven, have a great, great meal while you watch other teams compete for the playoffs and the more high-profile bowl games this year. But uh, Sicilian Oven ha- has a way of making any viewing experience spectacular. And uh, as always, I highly recommend that you guys go check them out. So this is your show, as always, and it's going to be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 563-999-3633. That's 563-999-3633. Over 100 open phone lines, as always. Plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate or listen if you want. If you want to come on the show, you hit the number one on your keypad. That lets us know that you would like to be on and puts you in the queue. Somewhere behind Greg, who has managed to get in there first again tonight. Hasn't done it every week this season, but I see him right there up top. Been on hold for probably about 23 minutes now. And uh, he's there waiting to come on, so we're going to get to him in one second. Um, Once again, we ask the subscribers at canesport.com to post the topics and questions that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show. We'll address them tonight during the course of the evening. But let's get right after it tonight. Let's get right to your calls. Again, the number, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. And let's go out to the 845 and see what Greg has for us this evening. Greg, welcome back. You're live on Team Four Live. Hey, hey Gary. How you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? I want to sp- 
I'm doing well. I wanted to start by saying, even though I don't agree with everything you write in these articles, I wanted to compliment you. You are a tremendous writer of these articles. They're they're very well done. Um, You know, some people are going to agree or disagree. I try to at least present it in, you know, legible English. (laughs) So so everybody can see where I'm coming from before they decide whether they agree or disagree. Right. Okay, I want to start out by saying, how the hell did the ACC not pick Gerald Willis as the first team defensive lineman? That is outrageous. You know, I didn't look at the whole thing, to be honest with you. I was pretty busy today, but what they do, make the two Clemson guys first team? Yeah, Lawrence and Wilkins. Well, I mean... Both those guys are elite defensive tackles. I know their stats aren't necessarily as good as Gerald's, but uh, they're both elite defensive tackles. They're they're going to be drafted in the first round of the draft, and you, you can't pick three. You got to pick two, right? So you know that's what they did. All right. Let's start out. Did you realize that between 2016 and 2018? Since Rick's been here, we averaged 97 less yards per game in the passing game this year. That That is abysmal. That yeah. presentation of a passing game last week, was it was embarrassing. It was, it was embarrassing. It, it, I mean, I, I, my, my personal take is that pretty much most of the season has been embarrassing, but that was – Ultra embarrassing, no doubt about it. I mean, you know, I know they he, there were seven drops, okay, and and maybe somewhere in there, if all seven of those balls get caught, you know, maybe you, you get another seventy, eighty yards of passing. So the fifty-seven now gets up to one thirty-seven, okay. One thirty-seven is atrocious, okay. I, I mean, your good passing games out there are putting up three, four hundred yards a game, and you know, I, I can't believe they're doing it with better skill players than what than what Miami's bringing to the table, and it's just it's screaming that there's problems on top of problems, and uh, hopefully Mark Rick is seeing it and he's as embarrassed by it as as you are, and finds a way to address it because uh, it was bad. It was as bad as it gets. In the ACC games, we averaged 24.6 points per game. And if you take away the special team and defense with touchdowns, we average 20 points a game. In this era of college where everyone's scoring 30 and 40. That's it, why you set five, right? So that's how does, how does, I mean, uh, Blake James, all he has to do is make a copy of the college football stats and go into his office and say, how do you explain this, Mark? What are you going to do about this? It's and not the relationship. Says, what? That's, that's not the kind of relationship they have. I mean, Blake James, as athletic director, he hires – he's paying a guy $4 million plus to run the football program. If he has to go tell him what to do, he might as well be the head coach himself. I don't see that happening. I see this being Mark Rick's show all the way through this year. Obviously, everybody's watching very closely, and, you know, I've, I've said my opinion. I mean, I think he'd be making a huge mistake to not make the changes that everybody sees he needs to make. 
But if he wants to be stubborn and dig in his heels and, 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 and bet it that it'll be better next year with the same look, that's his prerogative. And, you know, the thing I'll throw out there is he doesn't really have a lot to lose. Let's be honest. I mean, you know, we're, we're all, everyone out, we're all out here yelling and screaming and carrying on and the whole thing. Mark Rick's got five years left on his contract at over $4 million a year. So he's not sitting there sweating, you know, ramifications if he does this or doesn't do that and, and, and whatever. He's going to do what he wants to do. And that's his prerogative, I guess. But it's going to get really, really uncomfortable if he digs his heels in, makes no changes whatsoever, and comes back with the same you know, look and same product in nine months. I mean, you know, it's, it's going to get very, very, very rough around, you know, around, around here. And I don't know that any of us want to see it, you know, I mean, um, I think that this is not a one year body of work, Greg, this is a three year sample size. Okay. And it hasn't been good enough for three straight years. And, um, I think everyone is justified in their dismay and their desire to see something different. I think there's opportunities out there in the form of offensive coaches and coordinators that you can bring in with some fresh ideas. Um, I mean, someone's going to hire this Clingsbury guy. It might be an NFL team, but somebody's going to hire the guy, and he's just one example. So, I mean, he's sitting out there right now. So, uh, Greg, we'll see what happens. You know, none of us can really say what he's going to do. I, I have no idea. I haven't heard anything in either direction. Uh, right now, I think they just have their head down recruiting. Well, I heard Clingsbury was out at USC already. He'll be everywhere, that guy. Yeah. Right. Okay. The next, if he doesn't make any changes, it's obvious that season ticket sales are going to suffer. The donations are going to suffer, but I can't believe someone of his reputation would couldn't see what's going to happen if he doesn't make a change. But anyway, the 2019 home schedule, who else are we playing? We only have Central Michigan and Florida on the out-of-conference games. Do you know who the other two games are? Um, I think, well, Bethune is definitely, I think, one of them. Let's see, it was and um, isn't FI isn't FIU next year? Yeah, FIU's next year. So it would be okay. Bethune, FIU, Central Michigan, and Florida. <laughs> so we're going to play then the, FIU at this at where they're going to play well, that it's game. Probably going to be at Marlins Park. Probably going to be at Marlins okay. Park. Yeah. All right. So our home schedule is. Central Michigan, Bethune, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, and uh, one other team, Louisville, maybe. I think Louisville. That, that's yeah. an atrocious home schedule. Well, it is because Louisville is not terrible. as good as Louisville was a few years ago. Otherwise, it wouldn't be terrible. But, yeah, no, it's not great. I don't think you're going to see uh, game day next year again. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay, my last point on recruiting now. We have to stop being the bridesmaid in these battles for these top recruits. 
we got to get, we only have 16 recruits right now. And what are you hearing on Solomon? Is he going to leave too? Um, Solomon, I think, could go either way. I mean, I don't understand why a linebacker who's been committed for seven months or whatever, with the defense being the way it was, would deviate from the school he's been committed to for seven months. But, you know, we'll see how that goes. I know Michigan is showing a lot of interest in him. Um, You know, the other thing I'm going to throw out is my personal opinion is – they need to be looking at better than Solomon. I, I, I don't like the, where the bar is in recruiting right now. And, you know, you're sitting there, the, the 30th ranked class in the country right now, and that's with Solomon committed. And uh, I, just, I just wish that they would just elevate the bar. You know, I hate to use this guy as an example, but he's a great example. Mario Cristobal goes out to Oregon is in his first year as a head coach out there on the West Coast. So nobody on the West Coast knows Mario Cristobal. You know, he's put together an organization that is recruiting its butt off and and is going toe-to-toe with Alabama in year one for the recruiting national title. I mean, they are the number two ranked class in the country right now. Mario Cristobal in year one at Oregon. Now, you're telling me that with everything that's been done here at Miami – and an established coach like Mark Richt, that a, a recruit, re- recruiting class shouldn't be in the top 10, at least? I mean, I don't understand what's going on. I, I don't understand why they're not shooting higher than what they are in, in, in some cases in recruiting. Um, hopefully, they finish with a flourish. I mean, you know, I think they're, they're in a decent place with Tyreek Stevenson. Uh, Mark Rick was at Chris Bogle's house tonight. Uh, I know they're trying as hard as they can to land Chris Bogle, who's, you know, relatively highly ranked. I, I, obviously, there's going to be others and, and are others. And, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, we'll see where, where it ends up. But, you know, right now, sitting at number 30 and still possibly maybe losing Michael Tarquin and possibly losing Anthony Solomon. Uh, it's circle the wagons time, no doubt about it. And, um, you know, you do see coach Rick working hard. He's flying here and flying there and, and doing home visits at, at, at night in South Florida. And, uh, you know, he's, he's out there working it for sure, but, uh, they're definitely coming from behind. No doubt about it. Right. Well, we don't have a good track record of closing very well. Even last year, we lost, we didn't get anybody late in the process. And there's a lot of good players still out there. I, I, mean, I know. I know there are, Greg. And there's only and, three weeks left till the early signing period. No, it's, it, it's an issue. No question. No question. I just hope that as we move forward, Regardless of what happens in the next three weeks, I want I I want to see them raise the bar, man. Raise the bar. It, it's like if Todd Hartley can go to Las Vegas, and he was not even an experienced coach and recruiter. If he could go out to Las Vegas, land the top tight end in the country, and bring him to Miami, that means it's doable. Okay, and I want to see everybody top to bottom challenged to do the same type of recruiting. Uh, you've got guys, you know, I mean Thomas Brown. To me, 
should be one of the best recruiters in the country. I, I mean, he, he presents extremely well. Got to be great in the home. Why is he only recruiting a couple guys a year? I, I mean, I, I don't – like, he's got to be utilized more aggressively, I think. Um, you know, they've been recruiting a lot of receivers the last couple of years, so Dugans has been focusing mostly on recruit on recruiting receivers. He's another guy – you know, why can't Dugans get involved out of state for like an, an elite offensive lineman or defensive lineman and, you know, extend that, the, the, the boundaries. And, um, you know, I, I just, I would like to see them use their resources and, and the guys that are difference makers in recruiting. I mean, not everybody's going to be a great recruiter, but, you know, but Banda has a great passion for recruiting. Now, you know, he's recruiting defensive backs with Rumpf, and that takes a lot of work in South Florida, obviously. And uh, maybe he's not so available to go, you know, flying here or there. But I, you know, I just in general want to see them raise the bar, and I want to see the coaches pushed to greater heights by more aggressively attacking recruiting outside of South Florida. I think they're over relying on South Florida, and I think it's a big mistake. I agree. Now, one last thing. Uh, is it true that Pinkney and Quarterman are leaning towards staying? I think that's true. Matt had that on the board. Today. Yeah, yeah, no, I, that, that's that's absolutely true. Um, I, I think that their grades are going to come in third, fourth, fifth round, somewhere in there. And I think that they can do better than that if they work hard for another year and, and you know build up their size and strength and speed. Not, neither one of them is that big. You know, they're undersized linebackers, really. So build up, build it up a little bit more, size, strength, speed, come back, have great senior years, and I think they can become second or third round guys. All right, Gary, thanks. Appreciate it. Greg, thanks as always for getting us started. We'll uh, talk to you next show, which will be uh, the night before signing day, and um, we'll have a much better feel for where the recruiting class is going at that point. All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633 is the number. Hit one on your keypad if you'd like to come on the show. And let's go out now to the 305. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing, Gary? Uh, doing great. Is it Shmira? It is. How you doing? How is, how's everything? Doing oh, good. Gary, man, I'm I'm trying to figure out how I got fooled so badly by this whole University of Miami football team from last year until now. I was euphoric last year at this point, right? Right around just thinking that they had turned the corner and, and just listening to that last call and everything. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, from recruiting, which you guys just mentioned is just average. It just doesn't seem like they have that passion to get over to the next step. And from what I can see, Gary, and even – I just can't picture that with Mark Rick taking that step to dominating. He just – I think he's okay with just getting by. And that's the same thing I see with recruiting. And I, I, and I just don't I, – and I've said oh. this many of times from calling you, I don't think Miami's getting their bang for their dollar on any – with him, with any of the assistant coaches, with the whole staff, and everything from top to bottom. I, I just don't see it. They were until this year, but I still say, and I know this isn't popular with, with some people, if he hadn't screwed with the quarterbacks, I think they would have won nine games. I think they would have won nine games. I think they'd be going to a decent bowl game. 
I think that uh, recruiting would be better than what it is. When he totally destabilized the whole program by making that move prematurely, and just to me destroyed the whole season. Yeah, I mean, I didn't call last week because I knew everyone because Perry had that one halfway decent game against a pathetic Virginia Tech team, and I say pathetic. That team is pretty damn bad. So I didn't call last week because I didn't want to hear. So was Florida State because I. Oh yeah, because I, I and I didn't listen to the show because I. But I bet you for three hours of last week, everyone was saying, "Oh, Perry is so good. He's he's the future." This I bet you that was all they could hear. And I can tell you from that product of offense that I saw last week. I mean, that was absolutely pitiful to even watch what was going on last week. Receivers dropping balls. Balls that should not be throwing to the wrong person. I mean, it, I felt bad for the defense. It was unbelievable. It, it's just, it, it was, it was really pathetic if you think about it. It's, it's laughable of how bad Pittsburgh was and how unbelievably bad Miami's offense was. If you ask me, tough to watch. Tough to watch. You know, Ew. I mean, you know, the receivers dropping those balls. Okay, you know, I mean, that's you know, that's one thing, but. I just don't like the whole passing offense in general. And I, you know, I understand what's going on. I mean, he's afraid to throw the ball down the middle with Nikosi. So everything's to the sideline and long throws to the sideline. And uh, I don't know. It doesn't look very sophisticated and it doesn't look very good. I mean, just can we rationale? Can we just talk about this for a second right now? So on this team right now, and we knew, that Rozier was a fifth-year senior, and you had Perry, who, as I said from the first sh- uh, show that you had on this year, was not going to be the future. And then had, and you have Williams, who everyone within the program thought was going had a chance to be okay. I don't understand for a second how there is not a transfer, and, and let's not bring up Kelly Bryant because that came out in the ninth inning of his recruitment, they were not recruiting him from the day he transferred. And how is there not at least one elite QB committed, or how are they not recruiting 15 quarterbacks to be in this class, let alone recruit one? I don't understand how that is even possible for a CEO of a company to, or of a football team to even have that happen. I, I don't get it. It's so apparent. I don't, well, there I, are. I, mean, I, it's so I don't think there's any left. I don't think there's any decent quarterbacks left for twenty for this year. No. So, I think they're gonna they, they're gonna be limited to about, sitting like, back, and and seeing who potentially comes on the transfer market. That's that's what it looks like to me. I mean, if but, not, they're gonna reach for some one, kid that can't play. Huh? But from day one, how how was that acceptable that his son oh. and that's what I'm gonna call him because I'm not calling him whatever Rick whatever his name is because it, it's pathetic that the coaching I see of these quarterbacks and the kid literally recruits one player the whole year and doesn't grab them. And you can't do any, that's it. Just the recruiting of the quarterback position is just a loss for the whole year. I've never heard of such a thing in my life. It's unfathomable. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that they didn't, that they struck out now. I'm talking about how did they not, they struck out nine months ago, but how did they not have their hands in the bag trying to get, every quarterback in the country to, you know, that Rick, you couldn't find five kids. I, I don't know. It's How hard to imagine. I don't know. Tra- uh, the kid from the transfer from Georgia last year. How did he not say, all right, why don't you come transfer here? I mean, maybe the kid wanted to go home, but 
I mean, I, I'm, now we're you know fast forwarding to present, but I'm talking about nine months ago. This was so obvious they were going to have an issue coming up. I, I, I mean, there's no leadership in the quarterback room, and there's not going to be. I don't see how next year is going to be any different. And you know what it's going to come down to as we're talking right now? What USC did today, they had a clear house because they don't want to fire their coach because it looks unstable, so they get rid of everyone. Same thing happened with Larry Coker. What was that? Ten years? I don't know. Fifteen? No, oh, eighteen years ago. Whenever that was, eight, uh, sixteen years ago. That is it. Going to come down to that? Where? And by the way, you everyone keep you keep mentioning how Blake James doesn't have one to step up and take that initiative to make him make a change. Well, you know what? You gave him a damn extension, so that should be on you. And his job should be a little weary if he doesn't make him make make some type of change. That's how I feel because he gave mm-hmm. him an, an extension. So, I mean, I don't know how that all works, but uh, that's how I feel. I mean, I mean, he's his job is that safe. What the hell has he done? You know, he better open his mouth and do something. There's going to be a lot of angry people around. That's all I I think. Well, I could tell you that they're working very hard on 2020 quarterbacks. (laughs) um, John John Rick was out in California today. Tomorrow he's going to be in Connecticut. Tomorrow's going to be in Connecticut. No, No, you know, he's going to be in Connecticut tomorrow. And uh, obviously also in 2020, they have Mark Rick's nephew, Max Johnson, who I got to think there's a decent chance he ends up in the class. And, uh, you know, so they're they're, they're working on 2020. What they're going to do 2019, I just don't know. I mean, uh, I do think that, that at some point there will be some grad transfer guys that come on the market. You know, we'll see. You have another minute to go over. I mean, I was just thinking about this today. Think about the coaches on this staff. You have Mark Ricks, who's 59 years old, correct? Is it 59? I think that sounds about right. Every I think 57. I think he's 57. 57. Okay. Well, I, very tendered coach. Many decades. If you look around the whole coaching staff, there's nine other coaches. Is there any experience there besides, I mean, they're for the most part younger Inexperienced type guy. Well, that when Cyril's has been around. The, Cyril's has been around for oh, a while. Dugan. Yeah. Dugan's Dugan's has been around. Well, you're asking me the question. I'm answering. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. I, you know, Thomas no, Brown Cyril's is relatively young. Think, Hartley's yeah. young. Yeah. What do you mean? Thomas Brown. Um, I remember watch playing not that long ago. <laughs> yeah. No. That's so what I said. He's young. He's. At least I think he's yeah, like yeah, in he's his young. early 30s. Right. Somewhere in thir- early 30s, I, mean, I think. Um, uh, you know, Hartley's young. John Richt is obviously young. On the defensive side, uh, Jess Simpson is not young. Manny Diaz is not young. Um, uh, Platke's young. Uh, Band is relatively young. Rumpf is still relative. You know, I guess Rumpf is in his mid th- mid thirties or so, uh, mid to late thirties. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's it's so so. I wouldn't call it young well, young, but it's yeah. Well, there's a mix. There's I a nice mix it, there. When I look. When I thought about it, I thought Manny Diaz. And by the way, just if there's one positive you could take for this from this whole year, is Manny Diaz got everything he possibly could get out of that defense. Besides in the LSU game, rotating too many players, I really have no major complaints of what he has. He done made one. He year. made one mistake but, the whole year. One mistake. That was a costly one. But he made one mistake the whole year. Otherwise, he, he, he his he was impeccable. Like. What, what would you it criticize of Manny got, Diaz? No, he got every ounce out of those players except for that every line ounce. changes. Like he was like he was playing hockey in the first game. Yeah. Uh, putting I mean, Mike were there, and taking Quarterman. I'm, mm. 
But yeah, I mean, were there a couple of isolated moments where maybe they could have done a little more? Yeah, you know, late in the games, you know, the the Virginia game, they weren't able to get the ball back uh, because of that boneheaded right. penalty. Um, and um, Georgia Tech, they had a few. Georgia minutes, Tech, but, you, know, you know, they ate up the last seven, eight minutes of clock. I mean, that wasn't great, right. but. But, you know, for the most part, they had a great year of defense, and I don't think you could have a single beef with Manny Diaz. No, no, you can't. I mean, compared – I mean, Gary, this offense is just – how how are they even in the running? I mean, listen, and, and I – and Greg said it before. I've said it for many weeks. Miami is not known for closing. Normally, the local kids that want to come here commit here. They're normally done. And then – you know what they have been getting at the end, some of these – random receivers and stuff like that that they kind of come over, but they don't close strong. It seems like the Gators always close strong, stayed over the years, but they're with Bobby Bowden. They always seem to close strong. I don't know how. Maybe you could kind of fill in the, the lines on that, but they, they seem to close strong. Miami, it's like you want to be here or you commit here, and that's it. So, I, I mean, I I think you're a little too overly bullish sometimes on some of these guys coming here, but I mean, listen, we all could have hope, you know, but I, I just have seen this movie before. And Well, know, I was bullish maybe, until yes, they I'm lost not... all those games. I mean, you know, that was oh, had to be yeah. startling to these kids. Oh, they were going to get all the, a bunch of those kids if they didn't go on that awful losing streak. I mean, yeah, they were going to get a bunch of them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, listen, if they just lose, and I, I mean, I can, whatever, we don't have to confirm anything. But, yeah, Joe Jackson's gone, so I think most people know that. But if, yeah, they, he's if gonna they go. just lose him, he's gone. He's gone. Let's just—I mean, we don't have to say anything. But he's gone. But you've got—you've got, you've got Russo he, sitting there to replace him, which is right. great. Uh, I, I like the Patchen. Uh, Patchen's got one more year, and I like—I oh, like that freshman that. kid, um, Jafari Harvey. I like him a lot. Oh yeah, I think he, he could be good. I like yeah. Yeah, Garvey, I, I think he could—he could help out a little bit next year. Yeah, but they'll be okay at end. Uh, you know, tackle. Uh, you know, Manny. I, I had a conversation with Manny Diaz about a week or so ago, and we uh, talked a little bit about it, the young talent on the team. He thinks he's going to be okay at tackle. You know, he 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 thinks with uh, Ford and Silvera and uh, Miller coming up next year, uh, he thinks he's he's he thinks he's going to be okay there. But what I personally yeah. wonder how. You're going to be okay. Like, John Ford has played a couple plays a game this year, which means they don't think he's close to ready if they're only playing him a few plays right. a game. And and now he's going to be a starter next year? I mean, yeah, I, we'll, I mean we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, uh, what a, and by the way, what a waste of uh, Willis. God, was he good this year. What a waste. He was what a, he's yeah. a man-child. That kid, he can, I mean, if Miami's a top – Top team. I mean, that kid could be a top ten pick in the draft if Miami was good. If they were as good as on the offensive side as the defense, I mean, that kid was one of the best defensive tackle players I've seen in years. I, I don't know. Warren, I'm not calling him Warren Sapp, but when's the last time you saw someone that could? Calias Campbell play for yep. Miami? I don't. I mean, it's unbelievable, Gary. I don't know. Let's hope for brighter days, but uh, they need to make. Like I said, USC looks like they know what they're doing. They cleared house. They're you know, hopefully bring in some big-time offensive and defensive guys on the side. I mean, they, they know what they – they're taking the initiative to take the step. I mean, what do you – I don't know. 
you know, you don't want to rag on them too much. But if this is the same thing we're going into next year, I, I don't have the stomach for it. But we'll see. No, we'll see. All right, Shmira. All right. Thanks for I'll calling in, in man. You got it. You got have it. Have a good I'll night. See you soon. Have a good one. You got it. Bye-bye. You too. All right, 563-999-3633. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go out now to the 917. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. What's up, BK Hurricane? Hey, what's up, BK? How you doing this week? Uh, I'm doing all right, doing all right. Um, You know, just real quick. I know, I, I know you're, you're going to hear this all night, so let me just get it out. You know, watching that game on Saturday, it just pretty much highlighted things that we weren't talking about. Now, I'm not sure if it's because of the Jeff Thomas thing and the wide receivers were disgruntled. The wide receivers aren't – they're not that great. You know, we had two elite guys, Armand Richard and Jeff Thomas, which made the wide receiver group look good. But without them, we're just okay. And okay is not well, good enough for University of Miami in terms of wide receivers. I think Hightower is pretty good. To me, they're playing too many field. guys. They're playing too many guys, BK, in my opinion. That's that's one thing right. I see. You know, how, how are you supposed to make an impact if you're on the field for a couple plays and, and, and then you're not on the field and for another tw- – Yeah, like Hightower showed us a lot in the spring. And – yeah, I know he's a true freshman and he got hurt in the middle of the season and the whole thing. But to me, that's a guy that should have got a lot more burned this year. You know, I understand that Mark Pope has a hard time maybe grasping the whole playbook. has a hard time sometimes with blocking and getting off the line of scrimmage. You know, he has to get in the weight room and build his body up and get major college strong. I get all that. But what I don't get is this guy was good enough to be a five-star kid coming out of high school. You evaluated him and you recruited him. Okay. How do you not find some way to use Mark Pope? But this I mean, is the reason to, with, this is what's wrong with Mark Rick. Like, you know, he just, maybe, maybe he's stuck in his ways with traditional pro style. I want this type of receiver. He's not, he wasn't properly equipped to use the talent that he had around him. You know, that's what, you know, like this is all speculation, of course. So maybe there was something going on in the locker room where he said, listen, I can't play this kid or I can't play these kids, you know, but like, I don't nobody, think he was nobody busts out and separates it. themselves. And, and I don't know if it's because they don't have the ability to do so or because they're not getting the opportunity to do so. I don't think, I mean, I, these are all highly rated have... receivers. How, how does none of them, Bust out and have a great season. It's, it's not. It's the. It's the system that. It's the. It's the. You know. I have to. I have to put it all back on the system, because. Uh, you know. You watch them play. All right. All right. Uh, you know. We get it. We see what you're trying to do, but we don't have. The. You know. To play that style of football, like. The front eleven. Eight out of those eleven guys have to be elite guys. Eight out of eight of them have to be elite because that's what Alabama's doing. Alabama's offense is up, uh, but they make it look awesome because out of those starting eleven, at least eight of them are elite football players. I'm talking five stars, elite football players. You can't expect to run that type of offense 
and just thinking about how better everyone else, like we were doing in the 90s and the 80s and the early 2000s, but we were just the better team, like hands down, we had the better players. We were pretty much able to run whatever style of offense we wanted to, and we were going to be better than you. But we just do not have that right now. Right now we need a system, guys that fit within a system. Get them open, get them the ball, and let them do their thing. You know what I'm saying? Let them work in space. But we just don't have it. And as much as everybody likes to think that, you know, I mean, I think Mark Rick is going to pull the trigger on something. I just don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just being overly hopeful if you pull the trigger and it's the right guy. And let me let me throw something out there, okay? Now, everybody likes to use my, uh, Mike Leach as kind of like the shining example of the kind of offense that they would like to see here, okay? The that leading receiver terrible here. The leading receiver on Miami this year was Jeff Thomas. He had 35 mm-hmm. catches, 35 catches, okay? Mike Harley was the next highest receiver with 21. Cager had 20, okay? But Jeff Thomas was number one at 35. How many receivers at Washington State do you think had more than 35 catches? Maybe one. Wrong. I don't know. I have no idea. I didn't follow Washington State. Maybe one, maybe five. I don't know. There were six receivers at Washington State six. with more than right. with more than thirty with more than thirty five catches. Okay? Um and and, and, and a seventh had thirty three. Okay? So I mean that right there <laughs> Miami had one with thirty five and one with twenty three. I mean, like, are you kidding me? So they had 443 receptions on the season. How many do you think Miami had mm-hmm. in the passing game? All all positions now I'm talking about. Probably 176. 176. Okay? Now you see how right. far, how far away from a top shelf passing game. Yeah, we're sitting it's, right now. It's just, it's just bad. It's just bad. Like we, we blew this year when we put everything on the kid that went to Penn State at quarterback. So now we're stuck without a quarterback for this cycle, and we're probably stuck with two quarterbacks next cycle. And we're not sure how that's going to react to the one major quarterback that we're after, which is Max Johnson. It's oh my god, it's just a disaster. It's a disaster what's going on. But hopefully, Mark Rick says, I got to make a change. I don't think Cyril is going anywhere, by the way. I think he's sticking with the let's, you know what I'm saying, let's be, you know, loyal yeah, I mean, type thing. Right now, that's and how it's going Yeah, I, I think it's going to be him. I think he's, I'm hoping he makes the decision saying, listen, I need some kind of help. Because, you know, Matt Brown isn't stupid. He's already talking about running a wide open offense at, at North Carolina. <laughs> How old is he? He's old school. He's the definition of old school, and he's ready yeah. to run a high open, you know, a high, you know, a high, a high powered offense at North Carolina because he knows. But I don't know. I guess we have to wait till after the bowl game before any decisions are made, right? Uh, I think I don't. I'd be shocked if 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 anything different than happened. I mean, I don't think anything is going to happen. I'm hoping. I'm. This is just me being optimistic that he makes a decision. But something has got to change, though, Gary. He's got to do something. He just can't say we're doing nothing because the team isn't going to change much. 
between this year and next year. And the seven wins that we do have, the off uh, the defense kept them in all seven wins. We're losing a lot of key pieces on the defense, so you got to figure we're going to give up a couple of games because the defense is going to be different. So let's just say we lose two or three games now. You're going to have to be a lot better on offense next year, no doubt. You're not going to be able to rely on the defense like, like this year. I don't see it. I don't see it. So so we're going to go from seven and five to and have a um, and not make the you know the postseason like Florida State is doing. Like Florida State is dying right now. I mean, if we have a good recruiting season, it's because we stole all their guys. <laughs> That's the only way we're going to be any good. You know what's going to be a good a good recruiting fail. litmus test. You know what's going to be a good litmus test is the is the um, the Tarquin battle between Miami and Florida. You know, he's committed to Miami right now. Florida's trying to steal him, and Florida's doing a great job of recruiting that kid. So the litmus test, well, he he might be. And to me, that's a big big litmus test right there because what that's going to tell you, if Florida can walk in late and and, and steal that kid away from Miami, that tells you Florida's going to be on the upswing. And, well, Florida is uh, Well, they're not on the you upswing know, yet, I don't think. Well, compared to the Florida schools, that they're on the upswing. And Miami, the only way we stop from schools like Florida and Florida State and all these other schools in Florida from being on the upswing is all we have to do is win. That's it. Win. All we have to do is be the hot brand in Florida, and they're going to want to come there. I mean, right now, Florida's tw- got the 23rd rank recruiting class. Florida State has fi- has the 15th and we're sitting at 30 right now. <laughs> it's just embarrassing. It's just embarrassing. It's just embarrassing. And we don't have yeah, a full right. slate of scholarships this year, right? No, they they're, they're going to sign they're going to sign go sign 25 at least. In some way shape or form. I don't know, it's not looking good. Well, let's just hope that that Rick does something in freaking Mac Brown doesn't pull off a Cliff Kingsbury or something like yeah. that because we're in trouble. And well, North North Carolina, <laughs> like, pulls off a, <laughs> they're really North no Carolina place right now. Money. Yeah, yeah. But, in, yeah but, but in recruiting, they're not even in in the stratosphere right now. So but then again, they don't need to be with if you have no. that style of offense. Like, you know, all these schools, Washington State, like, you know, where are they ranked in, in recruiting every year? Thirty-five, forty. Yeah. You know, you don't necessarily have to be that high if you're going to run that style of offense. So, uh, we'll see what happens. So, you know, hopefully he makes the right decision. All right, Gary, I'm I'm, I'm gonna let you guys go. Get somebody, let somebody else get on. Okay, BK, thanks as always for being on the show. All right, I'll call back next. You got it, man. All right, five six three nine 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 three six three three five six three nine 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 three six three three. Hit one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go out now to the nine. 973973, you're live on King Sport Live. How you doing this evening? Gary, Gary, Gary. Can you hear me? I can hear you, Ross. How are you, buddy? Gary, if you think I'm good, <laughs> where do you want me to start, man? I'm just, listen, I've been sitting here listening to everyone. I think your second call or your third call, what an excellent call. He mm-hmm. stole a couple of my, my thunder, too. But, my gosh, where should I start with all of this, Gary? You, you, 
Oh, my God. Gary, check this out. Look. Ross, you've been on for a minute, and you haven't said anything yet. Come on, go. Give it to us. Because I'm pissed, man. I'm pissed. <laughs> yeah, you're thing. going in circles. You're... You haven't said one thing yeah, yet. Yeah, go. Because I want, I, want <laughs> I want to light everybody up. And that's because CMR, the AD. Yes, yes, Gary, you're telling everyone, oh, the AD, it's not his job to go in and say anything tomorrow. Are you kidding? You know, that's crazy. That's the word I'm looking for. That's a crazy comment, Gary, because here's the thing. Is it? He's paying. Look, You're hiring a guy that's supposed to be at the, t- at the top shelf in his profession. You're paying him $4 million plus. Should you have to go start dictating to that guy what he should do with his program? No. He should run his program like a boss, and he should do what he needs to do. And everyone's eyes are on Mark Rick right now. And if, and you're, seeing him not, if you're seeing him not doing it, that's when you've got to step in. And well, if he, if he doesn't do it this year and he comes back next year and it's the same thing, now it's problematic. So you're telling me and, you're willing to give up another year? Well, I don't think you have a choice. He's got five years left on his contract. And I'm sure the buyouts you know, de-escalate you know, to where when you get down to the last few years, if you're in a crisis and you've got to eat $10 million or whatever, you eat it. But like – you know, they don't have that kind of money to start eating $10 okay. million dollars here. Okay. I mean, okay, well, this is a disaster brewing if he doesn't All come right, through. Well, and that's why I think everybody needs to refocus their efforts here, Ross. Like, this program is all in on Mark Richt. And it needs Mark right. Richt to deliver the goods, Ross. And, you know, he's got to feel that. You know, I, I I hope he does. I, you know, I think we all want to see him succeed, but if he doesn't, program's in big trouble because they're not going to start buying out, you know, ten million dollars worth of contract and stuff like that. I just okay. don't see. Okay. Well, it. I just thought about I just thought about this. Why? It's not. I got I got three more things and stuff like that to talk about. But you just gave you just gave me another question for you. If that's the case, everything that you just said, everything that you just said, give me some type of number next year, when and why. Give me ball, Ross. I don't know. I mean, we don't know what the team's going to look like yet. I can't predict next year. I totally screwed up this year. I said that I thought they'd win at worst nine games this year. Well, the way you're talking, it makes it seem like we're going to win eight games again. Because if he's not going to make any changes, let me ask you this: Is there any truth? If I had to make a prediction right now, I would say eight. (laughs) That's terrible, and that's crazy. I I understand. That's crazy. Okay, is there any truth? That he, not that I want Brian, not that we wanted Brian, but I've got a question for you. Is there any truth to the fact that he told the kid, the quarterback, that he's not planning on making a lot of changes as far as how he runs the offense? He's planning to run the no. offense. That's one of the reasons why. You know that's no, I don't think I don't think that conversation was it was even had. So what got the kid from not coming? The whole atmosphere here. I mean, you got players on social media dissing the kid and disrespecting him. Saying we don't need him, and you know where you got the from. you got you, know you got the fan from, right? base going ape shit like you know yelling hey, and Garrett. screaming on message boards. We don't need him. Like why would that kid come here? So we can't talk on we. Can, when I say we, we can't talk on both side of side of our mouth when we're saying kids doesn't really pay attention to to the media and the social well, network. I don't think choose. I don't think it's that big of a deal generally, Ross. Oh, I mean, in, in most cases, like I don't think. Michael Tarquin or Chris Bogle or Tyreek Stevenson are making decisions based on what fans are saying on message boards and social media. I think the Kelly Bryant 
deal was a unique situation. And I'm telling you, it's not like I wanted it. What I'm trying to make the point is that it's such a chaotic situation that's going on, and this is the boss. This is the leader. This is nonsense. But here's another thing question for you, and this is where the offensive line coach come involved. The two guys that we're talking about, Quinn and that other offensive lineman, or either one of those two guys plug in, like day one plug and play guys. Who are you talking about? Are all, the two offensive linemen that we're going after, recruiting-wise. It's either one of those two guys, day no one chance. plug and play guys. Okay. Absolutely so not. You know no what? chance. So, so you, do you know what? That means we st- we need to get rid of the offensive line coach. You know why? Because we gave him a chance no. last year. No, no, oh, no, 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 no. No, wait a minute. What Russ. do you mean? If you think that you're recruiting offensive linemen to come in and play as true freshmen, I mean, if a kid is a lead of elite, he can do it. I mean, Scaife did it this year out of necessity, but that's not the ideal Garrett, situation. You're my point. I mean, if no, you no, ever not... looked at, at, at the lone Scaife outside of uniform, at, at what his body looks like right now compared to uh, top flight, College football offensive lineman, it's it's like Gary, comical. You're missing my point. I'm not telling you I want those two kids to be plug and play. I asked you that question to kind of set it up by saying, what what other reasons why we would keep this offensive line coached in? Because here's my thing: his offensive line was terrible the year before. It was terrible this year. What reason do we need? To, so, okay, so he we fire him and we don't get those two guys. So what? He has five or six guys that he brought in last year that only one guy actually got on the, got on the field and showed us anything. So my point is he needs to be fired, and we shouldn't have to worry about losing those two recruits because they're not, they're not coming to play right away anyway. So what difference does it make? If Michael Tarquin flips to Florida and you're left sitting there with one offensive line recruit, Kingsley Egwakon, I mean, to me, that is a, that is a disaster. But my point is, again, Okay, you're right, but my point, what is the reason for us to be keeping this offensive line coach? Well, we don't know if he's going to be kept or not. I'm just saying if that well, plays out like that. Now. Well, Gary, he's out recruiting now. I understand. And if I'm not mistaken, well, you said these are your words, and I'm not well, saying no, he's not going to fire guys before the ball game. No chance. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. You said, you, I think you said like two weeks, two weeks ago, you said at the end of the season, Mark Rick got to come right out. The next time he was he was on the podium, and make a declare saying that where he's planning on. Yeah, I mean, listen, I would do it the way USC's doing it. I, I, you know, me, I'm all about urgency and you know not screwing around. I I mean, I would do it the way USC's doing it. They're clearing out spots and they're looking to bring in heavyweight coaches. And to me, that's that's how you do it. Now, I don't know that that's Mark Rick's style. I don't think he would even think about doing anything before the bowl game. Okay, here's another thing. Last year at this time, Gary, me, you, and everybody else felt real comfortable about this early signing period. The coaches felt comfortable. They weren't worried about Jack. Every kid that they wanted was going to sign early. They felt good. It's not the same feeling this year, and that's a failure for us to be Right now, it's not close to the same. It's not close to the same feeling. Now, there's time. There's time, you know. I mean, Tyreek Stevenson, Akeem Dent. Chris Bogle. I mean, there's guys out there that if they come to Miami, change the whole perspective of this class really quick. You know? If, if, if. John Dunmore. John Dunmore, if you could flip him from Penn State. Jaden Hazelwood, five-star wide receiver from Georgia. 
you know, you pull those two guys to go with Jeremiah Payton. I mean, that's a great receiving class. Uh, tight end. You got two. Gary, what I think are he's listen, Ross. Let me finish. Let me finish, Ross. Don't interrupt me. Get it. You got two tight. I'm trying to show you. I'm trying to show you something that this can change very quickly. You got two tight ends sitting out there, Zipper and Weedmeyer, who are both very good players. If they both come into the fold, that changes the perspective a little bit. Um, I mentioned Bogle. I mentioned Tyreek Stevenson at, at, at DB. Uh, Akeem Dent. They're starting to recruit Tyre Elam now up in Palm Beach. I mean, there are guys that can be added to the mix here in the next few weeks that if they come in unison, totally change the whole perspective of what we're talking about here tonight. But if that doesn't happen, you've got a really problematic situation. Okay, Gary. Are you done? Go ahead, Ross. It's your show, man. Go ahead. After you said all of that, all of that being said, I'm not going to talk about the defense, okay? We might not be that good next year. That's fine. All the step, what's the, what, what looks like it's not going to change? All those offensive guys that you said, with the tight ends, all of those, what looks like it's not going to change right now? I don't think the, the, that you know yet. I know what you're okay. talking about, but I don't think you know. I don't think we, we don't know if he's going to hire an offensive coordinator. We don't know if he's going to make a change at the offensive line spot. We don't know anything right now. Now, if nothing okay. changes, yeah. then we know. Here's something that we all know, and if everybody, everybody don't listen to interviews, I pay close attention to a lot of his interviews when he got hired in the middle of the last year, the year before. I pay attention to everything this man said because I want to see what he was all about. One of the things that he likes is that he likes to have his coaches to be comfortable, comfortable, feel good, have a family. The, family, the coaches go home early, go with their family, feel comfortable. Most of the winning coaches, you know, we like to have players that's dogs. I like to have a head coach that's a dog too. Okay, Urban Meyer is a freaking dog. As much as I hate his guts, he is a dog. Okay, a lot of these other guys, they're, you ever see, you, did you hear Dabo Sweeney this week complaining about not getting respect and he's on top of the world right now? Because he, he's a dog. He's an absolute dog, Rockweller. Mark Rick is not a dog. He's saying that he likes to have his, com- his coaches be comfortable. Nobody should be comfortable right now. The only one should be comfortable is, is, is Diaz. No one should be comfortable right now, Eric. No one. And, that's, and, we, and this is supposed to be how a leader that running this team, he is not for us. He's getting on my damn nerves. <laughs> well, if you're saying it's gotten too comfortable, I, uh, that it got too comfortable this year, I would agree with you. But he could get, that's type, those are the type of coaches that he likes. That's the, he wants to, He said it himself. I'm not make, I'm not mincing words. Came out of his mouth. I like to have my coaches feel comfortable, have a family. Have a, that's why he brought his son around. Because he wants to see his grandkids. He wants a freaking paradise. No, no, uh, no I, I mean, yeah, yes, no question. But there's a, there's <laughs> there's a family dynamic there also that I'm not going to get and into. And most of these programs around the country business, is but. not run like that, Gary. Most of those, most of the programs around the country are not run like that. Coaches well, you, you can't away. afford you can't afford to do it if you're not if you're not really really good in in, in other spots to make up for it. And without like if if you have a great offensive coordinator, you can afford to take, say, the tight end spot or or, 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 or something like that and utilize it in, 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 a, in a way like that. I mean, without hurting yeah. the program. But when you, you don't have – when you don't have that covered in another area, no, it gets to be a big problem. 
Yeah, you made a great point earlier by saying that all these coaches should be ganging with each other and going out of state all over. I'm a Jersey guy. There's so much talent up here in Connecticut, Pennsylvania. D-liners all over the place, um, tight ends, linebackers, skill position guys. They, they're telling us that they can't do that. Again, it's the leader. It's the guy that's running the team. We have to pay attention. He's not doing what we need to be done in Miami. We have to wake up, Gary, and stop acting like this guy is okay. He is not okay. Right now he's dropping the ball. Terrible game day coach. A terrible one. Did you see how we looked and how all these timeouts, stupid timeouts, what we're calling doing the game again? Yep, I, I, I don't, Ross. I don't disagree with anything you're saying, but right now we don't know whether he's going to do anything, not do anything. You know what he thinks I about hope, all this. I hope the alums, I hope the alums, the donors, every one of us. I hope they rip him and his rip him apart. It's time to this, and and and, and Blake is responsible for giving him that extension, so his behind should be on the fire too. This is terrible. All right, Ross, what else you got? Keep me on hold. I'm going to listen. I hope all my other guys call in and, and, and tear this shit up, too, because this is terrible. Yeah? We're not going to sit here and just keep watching this nonsense. Mark Rick is a fraud. Keep me on hold. You got it, man. Hey, thank you, as always, for being part of the show. <laughs> all right. Boy. Hey, Ross, I, I, I think he, if anybody needs a good dinner at Sicilian Oven, it's Ross. Because that'll make you feel a little bit better about things. And uh, I'm going to take a moment now, guys, to tell you about one of the best and most rapidly expanding dining concepts in all of South Florida. And that is Sicilian Oven. And I don't have to tell you that there's all kinds of places all over town where you could go and get some pizza. But there's no place quite like Sicilian Oven, which has six locations throughout South Florida. At Sicilian Oven... They offer a new way of dining, using the best ingredients and flavor combinations mixed into a carefully designed menu. And um, the recipes, kind of like what you would expect if you went to Italy and somebody said, I'm going to take you to my grandma's house for an authentic, spectacular Italian meal. And and that's what you get at Sicilian Oven, uh, where they're culling recipes that have been handed down from generations through the DeSalvo and Garavuso families. And it, it begins with classic pizzas with traditional toppings and expands to gourmet and select pizza combinations that are far removed from what you'll find at the nearest corner. You love wings? Sicilian Oven's wood-fired rings are marinated for 24 hours in Italian herbs and spices and served with caramelized onions. Man, those, those things are, are, are really, really, really good. They also offer a wide array of specialty dishes using eggplant, mussels, shrimp. You want it, you like it, they'll make it for you at Sicilian Oven. They also have soups, sandwiches, salads, pasta dishes. No matter your taste, you'll find something great at Sicilian Oven with six locations throughout South Florida. You can visit the plantation location at the Fountains Complex off University Drive or the Aventura location at 205th and Biscayne. You want to watch some games on, on TV in the next several weeks where you've got 
good pro games and college bowl games and playoff games and things like that, I highly recommend their new location on Oakland Park Boulevard, just west of Bayview in Fort Lauderdale, where they have a full liquor bar. Need a more convenient spot based on where you are? There's locations in Lighthouse Point, Coral Springs, on Sample Road on 101st, and in Boca Raton. So get on over to your nearest Sicilian oven restaurant and get ready to experience the next level in casual Italian dining. You can visit SicilianOven.com to find the nearest location to you. That's Sicilian Oven and SicilianOven.com. You'll not only love the taste, you will taste the love in every single bite that you take. And we thank Sicilian Oven once again for sponsoring Kane Sport Live this entire season. All right, let's get back to your calls. 563-999-3633-563-999-3633. We got Ross on hold now. He's expecting other guys to bring the heat. We'll see what happens. Let's go out to the 770. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Well, yeah, I got the heat for your ass, Ross. And it ain't the Miami heat. This Steven <laughs> in Atlanta by way of Miami. Uh, don't I don't know where to start. I was hoping. Keith, Keith, don't they curse. Would, we would have. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. Hey, hey, you remember that? I don't curse. Yes. That was you're, you're, yeah. you just heard. I don't know what <laughs> you just heard. But let me stay focused because I got some. That was for Ross, though. But um, <laughs> check it. I was hoping I'd have woke up, you know, Sunday morning, and um, we would have done the same thing USC have done by now. And I would have hoped we would have started with Blake James and run him slap out of town. And we would have given him a um, restraining order from the city of Miami. 4,000 4, miles, him and Mark Rick. Land, see our air. They, they need, you know, because that, that's the only cancer that I see. It's him and Mark Rick. You know, all this other stuff you guys are talking about, recruiting, quarterback play, all of that is all of that is look here, don't look over there at the main problem. Don't look at Mark Rick making four million dollars, coasting the SEC for fifteen years, in his third year at Miami, and we keep talking about giving him another year like we kept talking about giving well, I don't know if we did that with Randy Shannon. I remember it going on and on with Al Golden. Give him another year. He's got to make changes at the end of this year. We, he should have made the 15 years of head coaching. He should have came in with the right people to get the job done. Not this coaching clinic he's running for the um, misfit coaches he's trying to, whatever he's trying to do. You know, this is ridiculous. You're not going to get no recruits to, to come there with that, that display of, of – um, coaching they're doing, you're talking about the bar for recruiting. How are you going to raise the bar when the bar for coaching is so low? Tell me, Gary. How are you going to do that? You think these kids are not watching the games and looking at that, that monarchy we're putting out there, we're displaying? You think their parents not watching the game and looking at all these kids' careers going down the toilet, messing with Mark Rick and his son? And Dugas, who can't, everybody talking about how those receivers run the worst route. They don't even run to the uh, first down marker on third and 
third and seven. You're coming up two yards short. You're running a five-yard route. Nobody's getting on the receiver. They don't put their hands up. They're trying to catch the ball with their shoulder pads. All of that is practice. You play how you practice. You don't show up and run a – you don't show up on um, on game eight and start running motion just because you heard people say we need to put motion in and think it's going to look good. What kind of coach does that? You remember when I was posting all that full retarded stuff from Traffic Thunder? That's what we're getting. Full retarded out of this guy. $4 million, and everybody want to say, don't look at Mark Rick. It ain't Mark Rick. Give him a chance. He's, he's the worst offensive coordinator I ever saw. Ever saw. And, and what we got to do? We got to let him just call his own shots. Who gave him the extension, Gary? Well, they gave him the extension based on the, the, the forward motion Ooh. that they were seeing from years one and two. Well, the, uh, Blake James gave it to him. You know, but but I, I happen to agree right with there. you, Steve. Wait, wait, Steve. I agree with you on this, and let Go me ahead. tell you why. Why does a coach have to have six years left on a contract? I don't understand why in any – like I understand when you hire him out of the gate, you got to commit five years at least. I get that. Like that makes total sense. But why do you have to renew somebody? You hired him on a six-year contract at $4 million plus. Why do you have to like – Extend after two years. I, I, I that I don't understand. Look, Gary. My thing in fact, is, I got to remember to talk my, to Blake James about that because I want I want to hear the mindset please, on that please, because please it, do that. It, it it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. Like I don't understand that from from any Look, standpoint. My, my thing is why if Mark Rick and his and his guy didn't ask for an extension, I damn ooh, forgive me. I wouldn't have offered them a, him an extension. Well, if you watched the last three games of last season, he lost to a team that had only won four games in Pittsburgh, and he he, he got raped by Clemson. All of those fans went up there. I was one of them. It was freezing. I sat there. I forgot the tight end name he had on his two championship rings. We was out there tailgating a bunch of us. He was there, and, and – we went in there, and we left at halftime and went up the street to a bar, freezing in Charlotte, because the team didn't even show up. And then, you know, they get drugged the next week by Alabama. And then to, to top that off, to top all of that off, you get a home game on your home field in the Orange Bowl to show the fans how much you appreciate them. And then you lose that game. So where do you see as an athletic director that the program is going forward? It, I never thought it was going forward because I thought we could have lost to Florida State, Georgia Tech, Syracuse, or North Carolina minus 17 players last year. But we had a little luck to get to that 10-0. And, and then the, then the um, wheels come off, you know, which I, I guess was a, you know, I don't know which was a precursor for for what we was to come, what was to come this season. You know, I never brought in on Mark Rick. I think I told you when we hired him, he wasn't my choice when I came on the air three, four years ago before he even coached his first game. I never wanted that dude. He lost four games his first season. That's not going forward to a bunch of mediocre teams. He lost three his his second season 
Okay, but but in between in between, let's be fair, Steve. Wait, in between, be fair. He won fifteen. He did win fifteen in a row. Okay. So a bunch of mediocre teams, like he might win. No, they weren't all mediocre. They weren't all mediocre. Notre Dame, Notre Dame is going to be in the playoff this year. Come on, Steve. Be fair. Be fair. Yeah, fifteen, fifteen in a row. Look, fifteen in a row after you lose five in a row in the middle of a season and not win a national championship. Don't mean a doggone thing to me. Now, it might mean a lot to you, and I don't know when you started liking the U.M., started liking them in 83 when Howard Snellenberger came out of nowhere, you know, and, and, and my cousin-in-law, Reggie Sutton, was on the team, and another guy who stayed over there in the projects in front of Charles Terrence with us, Rodney Bellinger, was on that team who graduated with my brother at Carl Gables with John Mickens and all them boys. So, you know, I – I didn't just start liking the U.M. in 2001. I've been watching them since I was about, I guess I had to be about 12 or 11 when they went on that run and beat beat Nebraska and everybody. And we used to go to the Orange Bowl with the Boys Club, Southwest Boys Club, to some of the games when they had the programs, when that's how I found out who was on the team besides the people that I knew, which I'm glad I'm going back to because I'm not following recruiting anymore. These, I'm not looking at these kids to be disappointed anymore. These kids are making business decisions, Gary. And the business Mark Rick is dealing is not good for their family. Only thing Mark Rick is looking out for is for his children's children and his grandchildren. He's collecting wealth. And for him to sit up there and act like ain't nothing going on, he ain't hurting nobody, that tells you all Mark Rick, the only people Mark Rick is putting first it's Mark Rick and his family. He's not putting the U.M. first. He's not putting his fans first. And he's not putting our players first. And he needs to be run out of town. A restraining order. And I'm out. Holla. All right. All right, Steve. Hey, thank you I'm as always. I Ross some justice. I think you Ross is, I think, I think Ross is, is, is throwing a parade right now. Wait, in fact, hold, hold on, hold on a minute. <laughs> Hold on. Hey, Ross, you there? <laughs> yeah, Ross. Man, let's, let's, yeah, I'm here. Listen. Ross, are What's you up, there? Ross? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, did he Did he do yeah, you I justice? Did. You know, but he's right. Gary, he's right. Listen, hey, Gary, give me a couple minutes. Here's the thing. I, I forgot. A couple you. minutes, he's no. A, I'm not no, giving no, you a couple minutes. minutes. Not a couple minutes. Not a couple <laughs> minutes. But he, no, no. Here, here's the thing. He's right. Because check, check this out. We Okay, we beat Notre Dame. We beat Virginia Tech. The momentum is riding. We're doing things, but then okay, we lo- how do we how do you not have the team prepared for Pittsburgh? But now okay, fine. Then we come and we get dropped. Then we we're, we're we're enjoying FIU and feeling good. And then the first game that we needed to really do something this year, we've fallen out behind. He is failing us. Fan that's behind him, get out of here. We don't want to hear that nonsense because he's not helping our program. We have a brand that we must win. We love to win. We love right, to dominate. Hey, no thing. But you, appro- you approve of you, you approve of Willis. Steve's dissertation? Yes, yes. So here's the thing. I want to throw this out. Willis, 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 Willis. The kid Willis. I'm gonna tell you this. It's unfair to say that he might not be able to get drafted high because we have guys Who that's out that? there that's offensive. No, people. Somebody said it earlier. Say, oh, it's a shame that he might. Because he was a, he's on a losing team, he might not get drafted high. Here's the thing. What do you, you know, He's going to be at least a second-round pick. 
I think it should be a first. I'm going to tell you why. You have offensive linemen that's out there that's playing for terrible teams, and they're going to get drafted high because they're a good offensive lineman. Terrible team. The only, the only thing that might hold Willis back is his size. He's not a prototypical. Yeah, but he's not a prototypical NFL tackle. He's kind of like a tweener. Uh, you know, he may have to play end in the NFL. We'll see. He's going. Listen, uh, but, I'm a Giants but fan. If Green Bay and those type of teams that they get guys like that, he looks good with them. He looks excellent with them. Um, New England. He looks great. I would love to get him on the Giants, but we're not going to draft. We're not going to get that guy. But here's my thing. I'm just going to throw that out there. And, 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 and it's, just, it's, a, it's a shame that with the wide receivers, that's a great point, Gary, that you made. All these other guys are catching balls all over the place. I'm watching freshmen at least perform. Well, not everybody. Kid, not everybody. Well, but look, Washington, okay. well, I went what, to Washington State because they're, they're like at the other extreme. <laughs> well, look what, look, look, what, look what UCF, UCF did last year with the kid that was supposed to come to us, Sneal. Yeah, look at that, Gary. Look at that. Mark Rick, yep. you are behind time, my brother. Put me back on hold. I don't want to take no more time for anybody. Uh, all right, Ross. Steve, Ross, time. thank you, man. Pre- appreciate you guys. Uh, thanks for your, um, your, in- your insight. <laughs> all right. Is anybody out there happy? Anybody happy with what they, what they saw in the Pittsburgh game, a season-ending victory, pretty much totally outclassing? the team that's going to Charlotte this week. Now, I know, I know they had one foot in Charlotte, and we didn't see the best of Pitt. But there was a, a massive disparity, even as bad as the offense was, in terms of throwing the ball and catching the ball. There was a big disparity between those teams on Saturday. And uh, I thought that was a good sign for the Canes. I mean, it's not all negative. I mean, I don't think anyone's negative feelings are not warranted, but it's not all negative. Uh, I thought that was a really good sign that Miami just looked – so much better than the team that ripped through the coastal and, and, and is going to undoubtedly get their butts kicked this week by, by Clemson. So um curious to know if, if anybody out there, you know, is encouraged at all by, by what they saw. Uh, we'll take that quest now to the nine, four, one, nine, four, one. You're live on Kane sport live. How are you doing tonight? Hey Gary, it's uh Meister Kane. I'm a little bit encouraged. I'm a little bit encouraged by that performance, I guess yeah. you could say. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, um, I, I think what it showed us is that to look that much better than Pitt, playing as poorly on offense as, as they did, um, I, I think that that does tell you that, you know, this is not a hopeless situation. Right, it's not hopeless. Um, there does need to be improvements, no doubt. Um I I mean I can I can throw my two cents in. But one of one of the things I wanted to point out is you talked earlier about Mario Cristobal. Do you know uh, Mario Cristobal is my age? Okay. Mm-hmm. And what he's doing is phenomenal. All right. How old are now, you? I'm 48, dude. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's 48. I think he's younger than 48. No, he's 48. I'm pretty sure he's 48. I'll yeah, double check that right now. He was born in 1970. That's that's the year I was born. Yeah, check that. I will go ahead. Keep talking. Okay. Well, Mario Cristobal, what he's done is phenomenal, obviously. But he, you right. know, he, he you're, you're right. By the way, he is 48. See, I told you. <laughs> I told you. I looked him up. All right, go ahead. Keep going. Go. Okay, I'm going. I'm going. All right, I'll throw my two cents in. 
and see where this goes. Team win, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. One of the things I think he needs to do is get a great quality offensive coordinator that's aggressive in recruiting, aggressive in the play calling, maybe running the sweat, the uh, sweat, the, the spread, the wildcat, the jet sweep, you know, etc. Okay. That's one thing I think he needs to do. The other thing I think he needs to do as well is maybe uh, I, I don't want to knock on the sun, John. You know, I think he's a good. I think he's a good quarterbacks coach, but I think he needs more. He needs a more experienced quarterbacks coach, in my opinion. You know, um, right there, I, I I can't really think of anything else at this point. But uh, you know, what do you think, Gary? Talk to me on that situation. I mean, I think he needs to get uh, bring in some new ideas offensively, and 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 to do that, he's going to have to hire an offensive coordinator. See, I'm with you right there, bud. I'm with you right there. Of course, uh, I don't know who he's who he could who he could get out there. You know, anybody that's uh, that's. Well, I know Mario Cristobal was an offensive coordinator, and. You know, now yeah. he's no, a he's a head coach now. I I mean, there's guys out there. I don't have a whole list in front of me. It's po- it's pointless for me to make a list. He's not consulting me on who to hire. But there's plenty of guys out there who have backgrounds in a, a, a more wide open spread type of passing game and um, right. you know leech disciples things like that. There's guys out there that can that can be hired. Should Nick, right. Nick Saban yeah. finds a new guy every year? Well, then what's that tell you? <laughs> There's guys out there. There's guys out there. I mean, all you got to do is pick up the phone and make make a few phone calls. So that's that's probably what he's got to do, dude. That's that's what I that's what I got to say about it. So uh, we'll see. Anyway, yeah, yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, predictions on the bowl game? Um, I bowl, think they're going to end up at the Gator Bowl. Gator Bowl, but yeah, we'll, tax we'll see. That That's yeah, the one that makes the most sense to me. Right, right. I might be close enough to head up there. I mean, I'm across the state in Fort Charlotte, but I think I can oh, make it yeah. up there. If you're in the state of Florida, you could make it to the Gator Bowl. It's only a five-hour drive from Miami. Yeah. Maybe well, six, max. Yeah, Port Charlotte's probably about a four-and-a-half-hour drive. Yeah, you could do it. So All right, let's see what happens, yeah, though. For, first, let's see if they get there. Right, right. We'll see what they we'll see what they do. All right. Well, anyway, All right, Mike. Sir. Go. Good talking All to you right, as always, man. You. Thanks for being part of the show. All right, All right yep. take care. Bye bye. All right, five six three nine 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 three six three three five six three nine 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 three six three three. You hit the number one on your keypad if you'd like to come on the show, and uh, let's go now. To the 706. You're live on Kane Sport Live. What's up, Gary? This is your boy, Sebastian, man. How we doing tonight? Hey, what's up, Sebastian? I'm doing good. You? Hey, all right. So you want to see, does anybody have any feel-good moments, anything positive? So let me just throw out some facts. In the ACC, we were second in defense scoring. Uh, first in yards per uh, allowing yards per play. Second against yards against the run, first in the pass and pass defense, and first down third down uh, conversion, and first in for tackle for losses. I mean that's a championship defense. That's a championship defense, and we end up with a seven and five record. 
So I want to just kind of throw out the positive because I say all of that to say that we did that, but we didn't have a lot of depth at all three of the positions. We didn't have a lot of depth on the defensive line. We didn't have a lot of depth at linebacker. Most of the, I mean, we played with four linebackers this year, and we didn't have a whole lot of depth in the secondary too, but we were led by two seniors at, at, well, three uh, seniors at three of the spots, one at the cornerback and two at the safety spot. So why do I bring that point up? You always keep talking about this body of work that, that, that says something to you. And so I want to be optimistic and positive and just say that Mark Rick is in a real, real good position because he has three years of work to be able to make a, a real good decision. And if he makes a good decision, no one's going to be upset with him because you can see that something has to change because insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a similar result. Over three years, when you look at the body of work, you can tell that, you know, if Manny Diaz doesn't get pulled away by a better offer, get a head coaching job, his defense is pretty much fixed. We're not living through the Al Golden era with Mark D'Onofrio and the defense never improved. And you saw D'Onofrio just got fired from Houston. Okay, so uh, he knows going into next year, well, we still have to replace a lot of talent. His defensive problems, his defense is not going to be a headache for him. But on the offensive side of the ball, this is where it gets interesting. Here's what I mean. You're right. There's a lot of offensive coordinators that's out there. Mark Whipple. Uh, no, you're not going to go bring Whipple in. But. Uh, but, but, but the point I'm trying to make is there are seasoned veteran offensive coordinators that are out there. That would allow Mark Rick the flexibility of just being the CEO of the program and not having the burden of running the offense. And what I mean by that is running the offense is not just week to week, but it's also game planning two, three, four weeks down the road. Scouting. Because how many times we went into a game and we went up against an opponent and you just saw like they had plays like scripted against them, like they knew what was going to work against us. And we just don't have that type of ingenuity or innovation that needs to actually take place. Now, I can sit here and I can badger and, you know, I can be just as negative as a lot of other people that's talking about Mark Rick. But I'm just saying, realistically speaking, you're right. There's no reason why we should have played eight wide receivers this year. We could have got by with just five, you know. And this is the point, one of the points I want to make, and I'm glad I have it on my mind, is I really think what really happened this season is I don't think they ever recovered from losing Armon Richards. I really do believe that. For some strange reason, I really believe the loss of Armand Riches in the beginning of the year was probably just a little too much for this offense to really, really be able to take. Because we didn't have that deep threat, we didn't have that sure hand, and we didn't have the toughness at the wide receiver spot that gave the quarterback any type of confidence that they were going to be successful. Nor did we run the type of offense that was quarterback-friendly. Gary, I don't know if you realize that Mark Riggs had an issue with every quarterback that's been at UM since he's been the coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why is that? You're, I don't know, but you're Why right. That? That, 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 that's the but truth. Am I right? Yeah. The, he's had an issue with every quarterback that's been at from Kaya to Rozier, who thought he would never play for him, to Allison, who got transferred out the program, to, uh, you know, all the quarterbacks being suspended. And, and – 
And the point I'm trying to make is I think with an offensive coordinator, there would have been a buffer there. He wouldn't – you know what I mean? Because if he's the offensive coordinator, he's intimately involved. And if one of those guys piss him off or do something stupid, you know what I mean? There's no level of being able to buffer it, to handle it, you know? And um, I think that's where the benefit of having an offensive coordinator will be a little bit more beneficial because having a, having your son as a quarterback coach is really just like having an extension of Mark Rick as your coach. And he needs to outsource that to an offensive coordinator. I mean, because if he does not do that, we're not going to be successful. We're not going to be successful. So he's in a prime position after three years in the program to make an assessment to say, you know what, it cost me nothing to make change. I mean, I just saw today that T. Martin was uh, relieved of his duties from um, from USC. So why do I bring up T. Martin? One, I think I'm a big fan of T. Martin. I mean, he's from Mobile, Alabama, won a national championship at Tennessee. But he's a good great recruiter. recruiter. Yeah, I don't know why he's you would make him recruiter. offensive coordinator, but he's a good recruiter. Why wouldn't I make him an offensive coordinator? He's a great well, recruiter. Because what he, gives he, him he, credentials to be an OC? Like he had none. I'm not surprised he that he failed at, at USC. USC. He, was, he was he was he was an OC at USC. Okay, Gary. All right. Um. So so it when, didn't when work. Look at mine. I just don't think it would hurt. I mean, he he's recruited in the SEC. I mean, he's been able to bring a whole lot of other talent to position. The point I'm no, he's an elite recruiter, but what 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 makes him a, a good OC? Absolutely nothing. He was, I mean, he didn't have, he had a tough year. He lost the starting quarterback at USC, but he had a successful. If you look at his stats last year when he was the OC at USC, they were up there. They were up there with Sam Donald. He was the number one. He was the number. One, he was the first round draft pick, Gary. I know. Look up his stats. Look at look at USC stats. Look at where they finished offensively last year. And they had a quarterback that got drafted in the first round. Is that not enough credentials? Now you, now you fi- they just they just fired him. He was there, he, they just threw him out the door. Oh, <laughs> so I, 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 obviously I, they don't Garrett, think it was working. It, it may not have worked at USC. All oh, Gary, the point I'm trying to make is this: when you look at the defensive side, as I called all those stats to you, what you had was a championship level defense. With the talent we lost off the football team last year, with Manny Diaz showing you three years of body of work of showing you that he can put a defense out on the field that will make you competitive enough to win the ACC Coastal. There's absolutely no reason Pittsburgh should be representing the ACC Coastal with the schedule and the talent we had this year. I went to the game in Charlottesville, and we made a bonehead call when we could have just punted the ball but we decided to go for an onside kick, and Virginia ran it back and put him in the red zone. When you had that type of a defense on the field, if we win that game with Virginia, we're representing the Coastal with an eight and four record. Okay. Now, when I take a look at when we take a look at the game at Duke, which we played in the rain, and I think the elements had something to do with us not being successful there. We should easily be a nine and three ball team. But we're not. We're sitting here at 7-5, as I predicted. But we have three years' worth of body of work where we can decide that some changes need to be made. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not burning my Hurricane jersey because we hired somebody like T. Martin as our offensive coordinator. 
We have to hire somebody as an offensive coordinator because Rick has been here three years, and he's had an issue with every single quarterback he's had on the team. So here's what I'm going to tell you, Gary. If I've been married six times and divorced six times, you can't say all six of them were because I picked they were all bad wives. I'm the common denominator. Would you agree or disagree? I guess you could say that. So those are some changes we need to make. Let me switch gears for a little bit because I don't want to be completely negative. I think we need to change our recruiting tactics because I'll tell you this right here. Somebody made a point earlier on. I don't want to be the second bride come signing day. Most of these kids, if they want to come to Miami, they will come. It's going to be so disappointing at the All-American game or whatever bowl, I mean, uh, whichever uh, game at the end of the year, you know, where all these all-stars or whatever, to see Bogle put on an Alabama hat. I mean, why take Miami all the way through that? You know if you're going to come to the program or not. Like when I look at MAR, Mark Anthony Richards right now, I think he's just looking for an excuse not to be able to sign with Miami. Yeah, and it so doesn't look I good. Look I don't think that all, one looks good. I don't know why, but it doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't look good to us. And, and so when no. I look at all the offers that we have out, it's like we're married to some of these what we call difference makers and elite players, and we let them string us along all the way through um, the, the recruiting process. Well, I think we should have more offers out, and we should do what Alabama does. What Alabama's going to do at the end of the year, they're going to pull offers away from kids when they have a better prospect that's going to come on board. They do it all the time. And so when we talk about we need to be loyal to the South Florida talent and all that other stuff, no. I want to find players that want to be Hurricanes. I want to, see, I want to get players that bleed orange and green, that want to put on a uniform, and I want to be able to develop that talent and move on from there. Because when I look at our last year recruiting class, I think we was a defensive lineman short. I think we were a safety short, a defensive back short, and I think we were offensive lineman and two t- and a tight end short. Now, I don't know how the numbers would have matched out, but when I look at that recruiting that we did last year, those were some spots that I saw at, when we had our final class, I knew we missed out on. We should have had another defensive end because we got through the season – well, we, we were fortunate enough not to have any injuries. And if we did, we would have been in a tough spot. So, I mean, those, those are the only things I wanted to say just to kind of bring it all the way across. I think the one thing that helps us is we have the early signing period. So if a lot of these kids don't come our way, we need to start looking at some of those second and second tier and those third tiers because at the end of the day, I mean, you can win with three-star talent. You can win the ACC Coastal with three-star talent if you're at the University of Miami, if you have the right coaches in place. And I will tell you this. I would not be holding on to Sears just so I can get Tarquin. Because aside from if you look at the offensive line recruiting, we don't have a lot. We're not going after a lot. So why not roll the dice and bring in another coach that can probably bring in some offensive linemen? Because we're extremely limited in our apparatus and being able to recruit. We don't recruit kids from Louisiana. We don't recruit kids from Texas. We rarely recruit kids from Georgia. We don't recruit a lot of kids from the Southeast in general. And we get nobody from the Midwest. And I think that's just a failure on the coaching part. This whole season, this is my last negative point, this whole season to me is a result of not the talent we had on the field, but the coaching 
that we executed this year. Coaching, I think, costs us the LSU game, and it costs us several games throughout the year. You know, believe it or not, as much as we don't feel like, you know, Nikosi should have played or whatnot, I think he should have picked one and rode them all year long. I would have picked one and would have rode them all year long. Because here's the deal right here. If we lose that game against LSU and Nikosi plays, we probably still win the Coastal. I, I, I mean, I don't necessarily coastal. agree, but well, I just don't. I just, I personally I, I, don't I, I, think he's very good yet. I, you know, I don't think he sees the field. I think he's too easy to defend. I think defensive coordinators knew that they could, if they just took away his first read and confused him for a second or two, they had him. You know, you just, he's just not there at this point. Now, maybe he will be in the future. Maybe he won't. But Gary, I think you, every play, you know, I was not a fan of the move. Play, I, I'm not surprised I, that I, the season I, went where it went once once that move was made. Well, I, but this is what I see, and this is what Kane's fans play every time. We have the same pre-snap reads and the same formation for every single play for every single game. I can't tell you how many times, Nikosi Perry, we've ever saw him underneath the center unless we were in the victory formation. We had very, very little motion or any type of ingenuity um, when we played. And if you look at the last two ball games, it's unfortunate that our two tidings got injured, but that's when we had the most we had the best success running the football. Now, how do you explain that? I mean, for as much as you say Nikosi is very limited, the thing I would always say is what would have happened if we had played Rozier and he would have got injured? We would have had to play Nikosi. We would have had to play another quarterback. And pretty much the coach on the sideline would have to be the one that would have to do a lot of the thinking for the, co- for the quarterback that's on the field. So I don't lay the success and the failure at the quarterback's position because I really believe that there's a couple of things we could have done differently throughout the season. From a coaching perspective, we would at least be sitting 9-3. and three. Would we be disappointed? Yes. But we wouldn't have a 7-5 and five pit team playing for the ACC Coastal, who did absolutely nothing against us when we played them. We're better than that. That's all I'm saying. We're better than that. So, all right, man, you got anything else I, tonight? Well, the last thing I wanted to say is we're going to see if we have a lot of good character and senior leadership on the team because if we can hold it together, we can get through the bowl season and win the bowl game, which I anticipate that we're going to be able to do. We have a lot of positive momentum going into next season if we make some changes. Now, if we make no changes, Gary, you have to understand, as Kane's saying, there's going to be nothing for us to be excited for because we've been through it with Randy Shannon. We've been through it with, um, I can't even think of it, the last coach that we have, and now we're going through it with Mark Rick. So just keep me on hold. Let's, let's keep this conversation going to the next time we uh, get a chance to talk right before signing day. You got it, man. Hey, thank you for uh, being part of the show. All right, 563-999-3633. Hit one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go out to the 240. You're live on Kane Sport Live. What's up, Gary? Doing good. Who's this, D Black? You know it. All right, man. See, I'm good with the I'm good with the uh, the voices now. I just hear one word, and I know who it is. So what you got for us tonight? I got a couple things. Uh, Ross and uh, Steve, they brought some heat. They definitely brought some heat. 
And um, you know what I'm saying? I'm feeling that. Um, piggybacking off of um, Sebastian, what he just said about T. Martin, everybody, everybody needs a scapegoat. Everybody needs a patch. And I guess they wanted to keep the head coach, so T. Martin was the patch. Because you can't have an offensive season the way you did a year ago, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden this year, you don't know offense. You you don't know offense all of a sudden? Nah, that's not the case. You just had one of the best offenses in the conference last year, and your quarterback went, what, top five? So now all of a sudden you don't know offense? Nah, he he was a scapegoat. He was a patsy, so they got rid of him. So should Mark Rick have a scapegoat? Or should he do? No, Mark, Mark, Mark Rick doesn't, he doesn't have a scapegoat. Because he is the officer coordinator, so yes. No, he but he but he could scapegoat. He could scape scapegoat Stacy Cereals if he wanted to. Yeah, no, no, ain't no ah 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 ah. It's not a scapegoat. Oh, I'm not saying he should Stacey do it. Cereals. I'm just saying no, or no, shouldn't no, do no, it. No, I'm just I'm saying, saying. No, no, this is what I'm saying. Stacy Cereals won't be a scapegoat. He will be a justified fire because his offenses, his offensive line has not produced since he's been here. One. He has not recruited. He hasn't recruited at that position well since he's been here. Two, three. He hasn't developed the offensive lineman that he brought in here. That's why his his behind should be fired, right? Another thing. If I'm Manny Diaz, yo, I got clout. This program is where it is because of me and my defense. So I'm going to my head coach, and I'm letting them, I'm telling them, like, look, you can't put my defense in another, in the same situation next year as you did this year. Real talk. I'm going there. I'm talking straight. Because if you fire me, so be it. Then I'm going to go take a job in the ACC, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to put foot to your ass, part of my French, but I'm going to put foot to your tail. Because your offense can't do anything against my defense. So if I was Manny, I would go to him like, yo, something got to change. Look at the defensive stats. Yes, this is a championship defense. This defense right now, I honestly believe, can go toe-to-toe with any defense in the country and can go toe-to-toe on his best day with any offense in the country, including Clemson. Now, about Gerald Willis, he's not a second-rounder. He's a bona fide first-round draft pick at D-tackle. He got better. He got better stats than Chris Wilkins and uh, the other DN and the other D tackle at Clemson. His stats is way better than me. He got more tackles. He got more sacks. He got more tackles for losses. That's first round right there. Period. I don't care about size because they said the same thing about Aaron Donald. But I'm not saying he's Aaron Donald. But they said the same thing about Aaron Donald. He's not. He's don't got the, the prototypical height inside. They said the same shit about that also. But one thing they forgot, the dude got heart. The dude is quick, and he's strong, and he got good hands. And he got very good feet. Now, I'm on a roll now. Now, everybody talking about, like you said, it too, uh, you, you, said you, you said it earlier, Gary. I don't know why Mark, Mark Pope couldn't get the ball. If you watched the game on Saturday, Gary, you saw Mark Pope couldn't get his ass off the fucking stamp. Excuse me. I'm just so I'm I'm sorry. He couldn't yeah, I'm get his, he couldn't get off the jam. 
apologize. He could not get off the gym. Number 15 from Pittsburgh was all up in his chest. Why? One, you ain't strong enough. Get your butt in this weight room and put some and, and, and put some weight on. Hit that steel. Stop trying to do these seven on seven releases and learn how to do some real releases. Now, the drop problems. I think it's more of a focus thing, a concentration thing. But we had that problem before. Alan Hearns, he worked on it. What? Turned himself into a, a pretty good NFL receiver. Leonard Hankerson, he had, he couldn't catch a cold. What he doing? What he do? He went to work in the offseason with Mark Duper, catching baseballs and tennis balls. Came back, it was very productive for us. Now, the spread offense. When I'm watching the game, I'm listening to Amal Brooks, and he's waving. He's like, you know, this offense system of cozy, great. But this is his first time playing in it because we normally run a pro style, two tight ends, one tight end, trying to run a power running game, right? And then you talk about a spread offense. Gary, I have yet to see. And on Saturday, we was in shotgun doubles, right? We're in shotgun doubles or we're in ace doubles. I've never, I have yet to see the slot receivers go in motion to either right or left to form a trips formation to the right or trips formation to the left or send that the slot receiver to the right, send them in a, in a motion, but then send them back to the right and give them a jet sweep. Or give me a short, give me a short motion and get him to give him the edge to block and we run outside zone. I have yet to seen us run a flood. We haven't run the flood where we flood one side with four wide receivers and have a single have have single backside. Like I mean, and that's and that's that's Dennis Erickson. He he brought that to Miami and was very successful with it. I'm like, come on, Mark Rick. I'm like, your offense at Florida State was a lot better than this crap you trying to feed us. Your offense at Florida State. He had better was quarterbacks. Let's let's be fair, D Black. He had better quarterbacks hold on, hold on. at Florida State. He had Heisman look. Trophy winning quarterbacks. Man, look, hold on. Let me let me explain something to you. Let me let me take you down memory lane. That makes a big difference. Journalist. It and makes I, a big I difference. That. I understand that, but you're a journalist. You write. You're good at it. I'm a football player. I'm an athlete. I'm a coach. So when I watch when I watch the games, I'm not watching it from a stand. I'm watching it from a former player and a coach. Now, if you remember, when he had Charlie Ward, he didn't run the fast break offense at first. He always had Charlie Ward under the center. But then when they were losing, I think they was playing Virginia at Virginia. Or, yeah, I think they was playing Virginia at Virginia, or they was playing playing Georgia Tech, one of the two. Then he went to the shotgun offense and said, oh, God, Charlie Ward is better at in the shotgun. That's when he started. That's when the fast break offense came to fruition. So Charlie Ward wasn't Charlie Ward until he, what did he do? He saw what Charlie Ward did best and what worked best for the team. Moving forward, the rest is history. Heisman Trophy, one of the best quarterbacks Florida State ever had, one of the best players Florida State has ever had. Why can't he do that here? Why? Because like Steve said, he's all about making wealth for his, for his family. Like, yo, John, you name me one school, name me one power five school, Gary, that John Rick can go and be the quarterback's coach besides Miami. You don't really think that has, you don't think that has something to do with 
Mr. Johnson going to Penn State, they sitting up there talking about, come on, man, that quarterback coach, he got no, what's his credibility? What, what's his credibility? I, I agree. I don't see, I, I, I mean, how are they supposed to recruit elite quarterbacks? Exactly. So I, I, I agree. I don't understand how they think they're going to do it. Why you got him flying to uh, uh, to California, and then you got him flying to Connecticut, my home state, to get one of them sub quarterbacks like Ross said is much talent in the Northeast. Why you got him going up there? Because all another all another college coach will say is what's what what's his resume? Like yo, run me run me down his resume of the quarter or the the quarterbacks he's coached and made better. Now, if you brought us, if, if you brought us, uh, uh, Cliff Kingsbury up in here, not saying that he's the, you know, but I'm just saying he got credibility. He can go sit into a living room and be like, oh, you see that cat that's that's tearing up the league right now, Patrick Mahomes. Oh yeah, that's my guy. Oh, you see Baker Mayfield. Yep, that's my guy too. Before he left, but I taught him. That's my guy. You see what I'm saying? Oh, well, look at my career. When I was at Texas Tech, I, I, I was a slinger, too. Yep, that's me. I know how to throw that pill around. What's John Rick going to say? Oh, well, yeah, you know, when my father was at Florida State, you know, I was, I was a little baby, you know, and I watched Charlie Ward and, and Brad Jones. So what? Who did you physically coach and develop? See, and I feel everything that everybody said right now to me, Mark Rick is still in money if he does not make a change at the end of the bowl season. At the end of my bowl game, if he doesn't make a, make a change, he's still in money. And trust me, this ain't Georgia. See, I don't give a front door about Mark Rick. I care about this program that I've been a fan of since 1985. See, this ain't Georgia. And your and alumni at Georgia don't care about Georgia like the alumni at the University of Miami cares about the University of Miami. It's a different dynamic. They love this program because of what they built it to. And it's a, and it's a pride, it's a tradition, it's a standard that we've always had here. And expectations. And I understand why people always say the Miami fan base is delusional. They this, they that. But it's okay for Ohio State to have those same expectations. It's okay for Michigan, who hasn't won a national title since 97, to have those expectations, right? It was okay yeah. for Alabama to have those expectations, and prior to Nick Saban, the last time they won a title was in 1992. So why is it, why is it the Miami fan base is always the delusional ones because we expect our team to be on top how they should be? We need to, yo, if he can't, yo, I'm, Gary, if he can't do it, if, if he is not the guy, if we have another seven-win season, yo, he needs to get a foot up his behind, out the door. You remember like in Monopoly, when you get to get out of jail free card and they got the dude <laughs> getting kicked in the butt, getting kicked in the butt out, out, out of jail? Yo, real talk, Gary. I know it's out for but yo, I'm doing that because I'm so, I'm so upset, man. You know what I'm saying? Because this is supposed to be our year. This is supposed to be our year to, to, to stamp that flag in the ground. Like, yo, Miami is trending back. We trending. You know oh, they, they, we, wasted we, we a, uh, they wasted a championship-level defense. 
There's no doubt yes, about that. But and I'm gonna tell you what, and the defense isn't gonna be that bad next year. It's still gonna be good. But guess what? If the offense can, if the offense can, if the offense can score 28 points a game, just 28. Shit, sometimes 21. You got to get into the 30s. You, you have you have to I'm get not, in the 30s. Gary, see, see, Gary, you putting the see, you putting the cart before the horse with with Mark Rick. No, no, not. you got to get into the, the 30s. Gary, if you can't get into the 30s, that's not places. respect. That's not respectable. I mean, it's Man, not. I understand. I understand. I understand that, but you got to understand. We only scored 13 points. I understand. In the games they lost, like, no. in the games they lost, they scored 17, 14, 12, 13, right. and, 20, and 21. 12. I mean, that's horrific. You know, this is another thing. I mean, and how, how, how thing. like, here's what I don't get, and I don't want to sound all wound up like you guys, but, like, how is major changes on the offensive side of the football even a debatable topic after a, a year like that? It shouldn't be. Think of this, though. No, Think of this. Be. Think of this, right? Think of this. Think of this, right? We at one point, like for one point, we had we had Andre Johnson, Jason Gathers, Ethnic Sands, uh, Kevin Beard, and Roscoe Pierce. Those were our receivers. Five. Roscoe Pierce was smaller than Mark Pope, but you couldn't jam him. He would get open all the time. Mark Pope supposed to have this elite speed. He can't get open. He's not strong enough. So he shouldn't be complaining. So just attack your offseason like a man, like a, like a college man, and get better at your class. Get better at your class. Everybody with this instant success. Oh, I was dominant in high school, so when I know when I get to Miami, I'm going to be killing. No, it don't work like that for everybody. For somebody, some, for some athletes it do, but for some it don't. You got to get in that weight room. You got to put that steel on your body. You got to eat. You got to constantly work out. But you also got to be put in a system that's conducive to your talent. You, Mark Rick got to start thinking players first, then plays. Like, come on, man. I, I know he's not a dumb guy. I know he's not dumb. He may be stubborn as a mule. And guess what? Pride, Gary, pride in every man is a downfall because sometimes our pride gets the better of us. And we don't want to seem like, oh, well, I'm a weak guy if I go and I hire somebody to call my offense. Nah, you, that, that, you're a smart guy because you realize that, yo, I don't got it no more. Let me get somebody else in here that can do it and make my team great, and I'm going to look great. Nick Saban don't call no offense. Neither does Urban Meyer. But I'm pretty sure they got their imprint on it, but they don't call plays. But they, it, hey, they talk about those two. So, you know, that's that's my spiel for the night. All right, um, D-Black. That was one. some... Hold on, hold on, Gary. That, hold on, that, hold on. I'm trying to see if I got You got one another one? one? No, come on, we don't have time I'm for another see. spiel. <laughs> um, oh, Pinkney. Pinkney. I know his, I, his, his cousin coaches with me in the same organization that I coach you football with. So I heard Pinkney was coming back. I'm not sure how true that is, but that's what his cousin told me. His cousin coaches up here in the same youth organization that I coach 
cocaine. So I got that. I dropped that on you real quick. But, yo, Steve, hit me up, man. Shoot, shoot me a number. I want to talk to you, brother. Ross, I've been asking you for two weeks, man. You still haven't hit me up with your number so we can chop it up. You better, uh, if you get on the phone with those guys, you better have a lot of time. All right, D-Black, hey, thank you. We'll, get, we'll catch up with you next time. No, hold, show next, no show next week, but we're going to do a recruiting show in two weeks. All right? So right, thank you. Thanks for the call. Thanks for the wisdom. Wow. These guys are fired up this evening. All right. Let me take a couple minutes here, and I'm going to attack some of these questions that were submitted on the message boards at canesport.com. And then uh, final hour, it's going to be rapid-fire calls. I know a bunch of you guys are still on the line, and I, I'm, I, I, I hope I didn't err by letting those guys talk a little bit tonight. But, uh, man, they were bringing the passion, so I, I didn't want to – you know, be a heavy here and knock them out. But um, so does the admin administration really want another ring? Well, let's see. They just built a $41 million indoor practice facility. They doubled the coaching budgets. They've pretty much doubled every other budget that pertains to the football program to build up the infrastructure of the program. I don't think they're doing all that to lose. So I would say, of course, they want to win another ring. Um, problem is they just got to get the guy they hire to bring the goods to go get that done. And people tell me it's not doable. I, I say bogus on that, man. It's like it's doable. You got to work and work and work and be aggressive and not not compromise one bit. You have to have a sense of urgency to go get that other ring. And then that only gives you a chance, okay? You got to be solid in every area. You got to be solid in every coaching slot. You got to be you have you got to have psychologists on board that are top flight. You got to have nutritionists, you got to have a weight room staff that's top notch and on point. Uh this isn't the kitty core here. This is, you know, this is the real deal. And you got to be at the top end in every single area. And and that's what you see at Alabama. And that's why they're there at the end every year. And, and I know that everybody, you know, obviously we all hear the same rumors and all that. And I'm not saying that everything they do is above board and legit, but, they also have every area of their program covered. There is nary a, a weak link, and that has as much to do with it as anything also. Is Mark Rick going to make any changes? I, you know, we don't know. There's no evidence of that as of yet in either direction, so no point in speculating there. Who are the players we're hearing will declare for the NFL draft? Uh, without a doubt, Joe Jackson would be one of those. Who are Mark Rick's mentors? And does he actively take and receive advice? Well, I think Bobby Bowden in the early stages of his career was his mentor. I don't think that's the case anymore. I mean, after 21 years as a head coach, you're supposed to be someone else's mentor. You're supposed to be mentoring Thomas Brown or even Manny Diaz or, you know, even though they're probably about the same age. But, you know, but, you, know you don't need a mentor when you're 58 years old, you need a mentor when you're younger. So uh, I don't think he has a mentor right now. 
Do I approve of not renewing season tickets if changes aren't made? No. Absolutely not. I don't approve of that. Number one, if you're a season ticket holder, that means you have a great passion for Miami football. What are you accomplishing by taking that out of your life? Absolutely nothing. I know people that didn't go to the Pittsburgh game the other day. They're fed up. They can't take it anymore. They took something away from themselves. They have the tickets in the first place because that's their passion. What are you accomplishing from hurting the program revenue-wise if you don't buy your tickets and don't pay your Hurricane Club membership? You're accomplishing absolutely nothing. You want to send a message towards what end? Firing the head coach? Starting all over again? Oh, yeah, let's start another five-year rebuild? Yeah, that would be really great. How many more of these types of seasons are you looking forward to going through on your way to another five-year rebuild, hoping that the next guy that gets hired is really the real deal? Right now, the University of Miami and everyone else is totally invested in Mark Rick being successful. To me, that's where you got to line up right now and see where that takes you. And I'm not promising anything in any direction. This has been a really bad year. And there's a lot of things that you are seeing that there are not to like. But the bottom line is Miami's all in on Mark Richt. It's up to Mark Richt to be all in on Miami and find the way, whatever it takes, to turn this thing back in the right direction where he had it. He had it in year one and two. There was an upward trend. This has been a massive downward trend. It's unacceptable. And it's up to him to see it that way and have a sense of urgency to correct it. Because I don't believe you could be a head coach at the level that Mark Rick's been a head coach for 21 years and not know what it takes. He has to know what it takes. And it's up to him to steer the program on that kind of path. 563-999-3633-563. 999-3633. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go out now to the 484. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's up, Gary? Doing great. Who's this? Hey, it's Philly. Oh, hey, Philly. What's up, man? Get the goods for what's us. You got the floor. I, I know you've been saying on the board that you got you got some stuff to give us, so go ahead. Oh, man, just like, you know, just going through those names with the OCs. I mean, personally, I don't think nothing's going to happen. I mean, I, I mean, if you look at, like, if you look at it realistically, you're not going to have coaches on the recruiting trail that you're planning on letting go. You're not going to have your son traveling out to California, you know, handing out offers. You're not going to have, you know, sales out there, Casey out there, you know, recruiting as well. If you want to be looking at letting coaches go, or, um, you know, looking at getting new coaches. If you're looking at making changes, then you're going to do that. You know, I go back to when he was at Georgia, and there was, like, mad outcry for um, him to get rid of Willie Martinez, he was a coordinator. And, you know, the, after the, the administration had to basically force him to fire Willie Martinez to go ahead and give it, go ahead and give it to him and get a new D.C. You know, I just posted an article 
about his, um, you know, his, he really has no head coaching tree, but if you look at, like, his one protege, I guess, Mike Bobo, who's at Colorado State, um, there's an article uh, from in Denver about Mike Bobo and his devotion to his staff, about every every time they come to him and saying, look, you have deficiencies, you have to make changes, and you're not making no changes. You know, he, he's going 24 and 26, and Tommy's been there. He's been he's going 7 and 6 three years straight, and then 3 and 9 is last year. They would have fired him if not for, like, health issues, but – if you look at it, when McIlwain was there, McIlwain went 24 and 16. So, you know, you come in on what McIlwain's built, and you pretty much have not done anything else. But you're not looking at this, but this like, you know, uh, Mark Rick, his mentor, he's doing the same thing, showing a great devotion, you know, to his staff. And then I know one thing you mentioned earlier, before I get into, like, some, you know, OC names or whatever, you mentioned, like, you know, about Pittsburgh and being excited about Pittsburgh. I think one thing with Pittsburgh that kind of, you know, made us, you know, we were we were happy for the win, but it kind of made us upset because here you got Pittsburgh going to go represent the Coastal Division, you know, going to, going to play uh, Clemson, and we demolished them. And it's like, you know, that just shows us, that just shows what, what, the, what, what, what should have been happening from the get-go, you know. Regardless, let's forget LSU. Let's just focus on, the, the, like, you know, Virginia, um, Duke, all these games. Like the beating pit the way we did, it showed us to show the type of talent we have and the type of team that we that we should have, and it just shows just the 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 I guess you know bad job or bad organization that is on the offensive side of the football field, you know from quarterback recruiting, development, uh, receiver development, offensive line development, offensive line recruiting. I mean. Like Gary, you telling me like we're, you know, you're the you're the quarterback coach. You're not only the head coach, but you're the quarterback coach, offensive coordinator. When was the last time you heard all your quarterbacks getting suspended in the same year? It's unbelievable. That? Yeah. No. And these are guys, you, these are guys you recruited. These are guys that you recruited, not 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 inherited, but guys you personally went out there and recruited. You know, that's the thing. It's like Mark Rick. I'm like I'm wondering like what is the plan? Like what like you know, like okay, I'll give I'll give you like some names. You got let's go to Memphis. Let's forget about Chris Kingsbury for a second. You got an offensive coordinator in Memphis, Kenny Dillingham. Kenny Dillingham's been following around um, Mike Norvell since you know they left Pittsburgh. Um, um, since uh, uh, Todd Graham, I think it's saying Todd Graham was at Pittsburgh. He left Pitt and went to Arizona. Um, Mike Norvell has had with them as one of the best you know young offensive minds out there. It's like it's it basically. Um, Lincoln Riley, um, Cliff Kingsbury, and Mike Norvell, like the like the top offensive minds right now in college football. So you got you know um, Kenny Dillingham, who's like Mike Norvell's um, offensive coordinator, his protege. You got him sitting there at Memphis. You got a top, you got his offensive line coach Silverfield, who's the girl for the line coach, plus some all conference guys. You got two guys sitting there right there that you can kind of go to. Bring them in into your organization and put out one of the, and put out a top offense that's been shown to work. And pretty much Memphis is really doing what Rick really what Rick wants to do in terms of like a power um, a power run spread or a power spread offense or a power run. It's like they run what he's trying to run. Well, you got guys that actually are doing it and doing it effectively. The offensive line coach and OC, but yet you're going to be sticking with you know your son. Who has like like everybody's mentioned no resume, so 
just like when Mike Rump got beat down by Randy Shannon and them, and he was trying to recruit um, the kids, the kids that went to Florida, and they beat down Mike Rump because he had no resume. What do you think everybody's doing to um to to John Rick? They're saying not only do you have no resume, but the guys you got are horrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not like you're, like the guys you like, look. They're saying look at Miami. They got guys getting suspended left and right. When you put the guy on the field, he was unprepared. The offense looks horrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? The receivers dropping balls. You got five star receivers going to Miami and looking like looking like trash. You got a you got a whole right side. Your right side of the offensive line is basically two five star um, linemen. They were like they were six rivals four stars and Donald said escape. So you got two of those guys there and yet you know, they 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 benching Donaldson and your know, offensive line looks like trash. There's and there's no cohesiveness. There's no I mean you got I think there's no I think I think with Rick, Rick's whole thing is trying to be the play caller, but there's no like there's no organization on that side. Like they don't talk. It's like Rick is calling plays, but he doesn't know who's being stepped in and out. He doesn't know that okay, I'm calling like a you know, a fade corner route. Okay, so I need so um, you know, I'm calling that play and but then here comes, you know, Dugan subbing in Mike Harley, you know, for the outside or, or you got like you got Lawrence Cager lined up in the slot and you got Mike Harley and Mark Pope on the outside and you're calling like, you know, these kind of plays. You know, I've seen where they try to run like an inside dive on a run play and the center doesn't even know he's supposed to block. Can he can he's thinking that the left guard it's um the left guard is going to come and trap block with him, or you know get his guy. And he's looking around saying where he's going, so he has to go over there. That allows the defensive lineman just to come right through, because because basically you're subbing in and out of these linemen, and they're confused. They don't know where they're supposed to block. So it's like it's just it's it's just like it's just a bad organization going on out there, and it's like you're sitting here, you're Mark Rick, okay. Yeah, you have opportunity to go out there and make changes. You have opportunity that you got you have Cliff Kingsbury who who was fired. You got um the uh, what's his name? You got um can't try to get his name. The the Kansas offensive coordinator, um, Doug Meacham. Doug Meacham was offensive coordinator at TCU when TCU was putting up crazy points from fourteen and fifteen, uh, when they had like blinking in them. When when um when uh Peterson decided that he had to, you know, move his offense um, up, up to speed in the Big 12, so he went and got Doug Meacham from uh, Oklahoma State and brought him in. Doug Meacham built up that, you know, built up that TCU offense to basically what it is, you know, today and what it was during that time when they were putting like 47 points a game and like 550 yards, you know, per game. But um, he leaves because he had to dispute with he had a dispute with Mike Leach. I mean, with not with, with um with Gary Patterson. So he goes to Kansas. And he comes with OC of, of David Beatty. Well, Beatty fires him because Beatty tried to pull like a, a Clay Helton move with um, T. Martin, and he tried to save his job. So he fires you know Doug Meacham. But Doug Meacham's out there. So you got Doug Meacham. You got you got Cliff Kingsbury. You got um, Kendall Bryles, who's at Houston, who you can bring in. You got um, you know you got um, Graham Harrell, a Mike Leach disciple at North Texas. You got, like I mentioned, Kenny Dillingham at Memphis. I mean, you got a bunch of, you know, great OCs out there. You know, it, you know, I know somebody mentioned T. Martin. I wouldn't take T. Martin. If I, if, 
if I had an offensive coordinator and T. Martin was like my quarterback coach, yeah, he's a great recruiter. Or if I had a, um, if I had a position, position open for like wide receiver coach, then I would take T. Martin. Like T. Martin would probably end up. I don't know if anybody was supposed to hear this, but T. Martin's going to probably end up at Alabama because Mike Lockley's probably going to leave and go get the um, head coaching job at Maryland. So they're probably going to bring him in as wide receiver coach at Alabama. The thing about it is, is that Mike, like, like this is lining up. This is lining up perfectly for us right now. Is that you have all these offensive coordinators, these guys that you can you can bring in that can revolutionize your offense and your scheme, that can basically just take us to that next level. Not only in the ACC, but in the country. If you get, if you bring in a Cliff Kingsbury or a Kendall Browse, like yeah, you know how much that will resonate, like like in college football. They will say, man, Miami is known for speed, known for athletes. Now they're bringing in like this guy who's going to be bringing in the, the quarterbacks. They're going to make, they're going to basically make Miami be known as QBU again, putting an explosive offense. Not only, not, not only do we have like a, a great defense. You know, with with Diaz and that that um system on that side, but now you're bringing in like an established offensive coordinator to bring in his system. That I mean that can make us you know blow up. But I just feel like it's gonna be status quo. I just feel like he's going to basically just blame it on everything he's been blaming execution and youth. I feel like he's done countless times at Georgia. I think next year they're gonna win like nine to ten games somehow, and that cause that's what he does at Georgia. You know, every year he follows it. He follows up the bad year with a good year. Get your hopes up high, and you're thinking, okay, we're on our way again. But then the following year, it's like it falls apart. And then it's, it's blaming on debt, it's blaming on injuries, it's blaming on execution. It's always an excuse with Mark Ritt, man. It's always going to be an excuse with this guy. Yeah. So that's well, that's all I gotta say, man. I mean, it, I mean, it's, all it's, right, it's, Philly. It's, it's well, what it is, man. It's, it's like it's like the, is the, that's an interesting the list you got, like, though. Yeah, but it's an interesting it's list. Why don't you um, – you should organize that and uh, mail it to Coach Rick. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's no point. It's no point, man. I mean, it's like, look, look. No, but, I mean, like, you've already done all the research. But, but the thing about it is I'm sitting here putting these names and these lists on the message board, and everybody's sitting there like, clearly, why are you sitting there putting these lists on there? Why are you sitting there talking? You know Rick's not going to do it. Me being, you know, you know, optimistic and hopeful, I'm thinking that maybe – but if you look at what if you look at the, the why don't you team, organize you know, it? Organize it into one thread. Organize it into one thread. My pro, my prospects for offensive coordinator and list them in in the order that you like them with the credentials that you feel they have and and you know maybe it'll be seen. Who knows? All right, I'll do that. I appreciate it. Yeah, you've already done the research, man. We might as well get you you know get you a little exposure out there, right? Well, we'll see. All right, Philly. Let's, let's be hey, thank. Th- Thanks for calling in, man. We'll talk to you next time. All right. You got it. Let's go to the 916. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, how you doing? Doing great. Who's this? This is Roland, man, from New Orleans. Hey, Roland. What you got for us tonight? What's going on, man? Doing good. Uh, We need uh, an officer coordinator. We need a new old line coach. And we need some recruits. Uh, uh, to get some old linemen and uh, D line depth, um, and it's ridiculous, man. You see, to see where that defense performs and to see how bad that offense. When we we were, we're nine or ten games in, and we got to deal with that. I mean, I mean that 
Nicosi Parish shouldn't even had to go through that, man. It, all that stuff should have been going on during the summer, you know, you know, off season. Gary, the you think about the running backs, the holes that they had. I mean, those guys had to create their own holes. That offensive line, man, it was bad, man. I mean, like the kid that graduated, is it Mahoney? What's the kid's name? Not no, uh, Gauthier's. Gauthier's graduating. Saint Saint yeah, Louis man. is graduating. And now the other kid, the kid, the kid that plays center, what was his name? Gauthier. Yeah, man. Tyler Gauthier. Oh my God, that kid shouldn't even be, he shouldn't be playing center at Miami. It's just it's just bad, Gary. That old line was just atrocious. My question is, you think they're gonna get a, bring a new uh, old line coach in? I don't know. I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm like, no, you know, we're no different than you guys right now. I mean, I don't think he's even thinking about it right now. He's, he's morning till night recruiting. I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's working on it while he's flying and stuff. I don't, you know, but there, there's is, been no sign in either direction. If you're recruiting and you're trying to bring these kids in, I mean, what do you tell a kid when you look at that offensive line and you see just no, Progression. I mean, that was not one. You, that was not one game this year. You could just say, "Man, you know what? We, we, you know, we, we couldn't pick up a yard. Third and one, second and one, fourth and one. It was just that 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 had to be one of the worst offensive lines in Miami history uh, this year. Would you agree? Uh, they've had some bad offensive lines. I mean, uh, in history, uh, it's hard. I can't compare to every line, but it it was not great, no doubt. No, it was. And um, offensive coordinator, again, I know you probably don't know. We need to bring it. They just need to uh, uh, make some changes, make an overhaul on that offensive side of the ball, man. It's just – um, and, and then recruit Gary. Every time I talk to you, talk to you, like, I, I go. It's like the same thing, repetitive. You know, going to Texas, going to the Midwest. I mean, damn. I mean, can they get out? Can we get out of Florida recruiting offensive linemen? That's what they need, man. They need somebody that can do that. I don't know that Stacy Searles can. He's I mean, he went to Iowa and got that Dykstra kid, who's a total bust. A bu- you know, I don't know. The ev- the evidence is not there that he can do it. Oh man! Um, yeah. You look at other programs. I mean, they don't even—you know—they don't even have to go to to, to the Midwest, they, they, Alabama, Mississippi, Texas. You know, Miami. You know, I mean, you—you've you, been covering this program for a hell of a long time, and you know exactly where what states where they target certain players. You—you you know, you get your quarterbacks from from California. You get your all your speed in Miami, old line, Midwest. Uh, 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 a jersey. I just, I, I, I'm just wondering what protocol are they following, and 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 uh, you know, man, you know, for, for for Jeff Thomas to leave the team like that, it, that was just nah, that had to happen. <laughs> that was that was, that situation was getting worse and worse. It had to happen. But that's what I'm saying. As a coach, you mean look. Let me just say this last thing, Gary. Do you see any energy? Do you see the passion? I see, I see it on the defensive side. Really starting, to, you know, from the D, you know, D line, and Will is going to be a beast in the league. 
but offensively, there's no leadership. I, I don't see no leadership. I don't see no passion. I don't see it's just guys out. It's just bodies out there. That's what it is. Just bodies. No energy. Mm-hmm. It's like when the offense gets the ball, it's like, oh man, you know. I, you know, I, it shouldn't, it shouldn't that, that, that's probably not totally fair. I mean, you know, I think they I think the kids were trying hard, uh, and and there there were times they had success. I mean, they had 300 yards rushing the other day. That you know, that was a good accomplishment. I mean, it's not all bad all the time. But it's just not consistent yeah. enough. They're not scoring enough points, and you can't. You're not going to win games when you can't get out of the twenty. You know, can't get in, uh, up around thirty or higher. I mean, if they had scored thirty points in all those games they lost, they would have won four of the five. The only one they would have lost was LSU. So, you got to score, man. Yeah. All right. You're right. All right. Thanks. Uh, thanks, thanks for calling in. Thanks for being part of the show. All right, let's go to the uh, 203. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hi, Gary. It's uh, Bob in New York. Hey, what's up, Bob? And, uh, How you doing? Well, I'm doing okay, and I'm going to just uh, uh, switch things a little bit. You you may remember that from time to time I might have been ever so slightly critical of the offensive line coach. Yeah. Hello. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pull off that because that's beating a dead horse. I'm going to switch a little bit to, to, to really calling a spade a spade. I think a couple of other people have, have basically identified it a little bit, but I think it ought to be driven home. I think the guy who fundamentally is really responsible for much of what it is that we're experiencing now and, and may, hopefully not, but may experience for the next several years is, uh, is Blake James. It had to be a mindless move for him to have given Rick an extension when he did. I mean, you you've said it yourself, and I'm sure you recognize it. And I think most everybody who is focused on it, and certainly a lot of people that are on Kingsport, uh, have said, "What the f was he thinking? Why did he have to do that?" Well, what, I mean, he what he's thinking he is he he brought him in. He helped them raise $41 million to build the indoor. You had forward momentum. You know, you had a, you, you almost made the playoffs last year. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, they were right but, there. Ten, but, they were at 10-0. and 0. You made the ACC championship he, game. He's thinking, he man, we got this program on an upward trend here. We got good things going. <laughs> and I'm going to reward yeah. Mark for what he's done so far. And – and I'm going to give him another two years on his contract. That's what he's thinking. Well, and it, and and Mark's agent is coming and saying, "Hey, what are we going to do for Mark? Look at the job he's doing." And everybody gets caught up. Continuum to to continue to give him a, a good pat on the rump, and and every week and a half to month and a half, uh, put some more money in his account that he was entitled to, and say, "We've done a great job together." You were the right guy to hire, and we're hoping that you're going to continue to do it, and and we're keeping our eyes open as to in the in the next several years give you an extension, but but not. I mean, it's whatever. Anyway, he, you don't need to extend the contract that has four years left on it. Absolutely, absolutely no. not. No, I mean that's totally and, not and, necessary. 
and, and what he should have done, and I'm sure he did all the way through, was continue to give him internal support wherever the university was required to give him the internal support. And he got a lot of the alumni support, uh, building the, uh, uh, the practice facility, et cetera. And things were rosy. Only thing that wasn't re- really rosy was whatever has been identified timeless times internally, and that is that uh, the coach, the head coach, uh, misidentified the offensive line coach, and that should have been corrected. Uh, uh, and and also, and I think this is something that maybe has begun to come out of the woodwork a little bit more, Dugans, I believe, should be taking a lot of heat for the lack of development of the wideouts and the other receivers. I mean, this this fiasco against Pitt, uh, <laughs> that, this wasn't the first time that a bunch of guys have, have not turned around to get the ball or not made catches which, which they should have made. I mean, that's coaching. It's not, it's not recruitment because he's got well, a lot of guys. Uh, I don't know. I'm not willing to go there because I, I, I think Ron Dugans is a really good coach. Uh, what I see is receivers that are never very rarely open. Um, because, I, it, it, because their their development has been, he made well, or they're running but, or they're running very predictable routes that the defense knows what the what the routes are and yeah, but but you can't blame the drops on the routes for the most part. These guys no, but but were, but were, they drops. You know, I agree with you. You can't blame the the, the drops on the routes. Uh, I'm not ready I to mean, blame it on Ron, on Ron Dugans either. I, I, you know, they, they it, were clearly concentration lapses. Well, okay, but doesn't that doesn't that come down on the coach's back? I mean, I don't know. I mean, a, a coach can't can't catch the ball for guys. He can drill them and no. drill them and drill them and and help them improve their ability to catch the ball, but he can't go out there and, and catch it. And then if a receiver drops a ball, I don't think it means that the receiver coach is a bad coach. I, well, I wouldn't. I've watched Dugans a lot on the practice field. I, I mean, other than the fact that they do the same drills there all the time, which I don't understand, but you know, I, I think he's a very good coach. Well, he's got the reputation of being a very good coach and he's got a reputation of being a hell of a recruiter. I'll agree with you, but he doesn't have, the performance uh, uh, statistics, and certainly this year, to show that that a bunch of these guys have the the glue fingers that an off. You turn on you turn on so much of college football, and and I'm invariably, and you are too, and almost everybody that watches the game sees guys that are consistently making very good tough catches. And our guys rarely, really rarely, are making those kinds of cut, uh, tough catches consistently. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm not throwing everybody under the bus, but I'm trying to call a spade a spade. And, and, I, and it comes down, Gary, I think it comes down once again to the coach, the head coach, somehow not creating the fire uh, uh, creating the fire that should be in the belly of these coaches. I mean, they they don't seem to have that that passion 
Maybe it's the concern. I'm not sure what it is that they're out there forming in a relaxed manner, as if as if there are a lot of other games that they can that they can play, and and uh, <laughs> and the season won't depend on this particular play or this game. And 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 this season was lost because of. Uh, and I'll I'll eliminate the LSU because. More than likely, we weren't destined to win that game. But my gosh, uh, three or uh, probably all four of the other the other games uh, could easily and should have been won. And then the fiasco. And and I think this win, it was a great win. I I'll never I'll never root against the Canes. I've been on, <laughs> I've been there too long. But but I was almost hoping that it would turn into a real fiasco and maybe there would be, you know, this total, total outcry for, for the coach's head. Uh, because no, I it's not, that's not, that, that's not happening. He's got, he's got too many years. He's got five years left on his contract. All right. There let me let some go. other guys get on. Thank, thank you so much for being part of the show tonight and uh, give us a call next time. Okay. My friend, you got it. Let's go to the nine, seven, three. You're on Kane sport live. Nine seven three, you with us? Going once. Gary, it's me, man. You don't, Gary, it's me. You don't got to come back to me, man. I'm enjoying. Oh, okay, man. my my mistake. You you got back in, I guess. All right, let's go to the five zero one. You're on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's up, Gary? This is Alex, man, up in Arkansas. What's up, Alex? How you doing hey, this I, evening? Hey, I, I'm good, man. I'm 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 glad we finally got back on the winning track, but. Right now, man, we just in a holding pattern, uh, Gary, because we don't know what changes are going to be made. Everybody knows the changes that we think should be made, and it's pretty obvious. It seems like to to the one person that it that has to be the most obvious. To. And we well, we don't know yet. In fairness, right. we don't know that because yet. We don't, we don't know. We don't know what don't he's thinking. Because, because he doesn't seem like the type of guy that just you know. That's that's quick to make a move or quick to change things, and he may do it on his own time, and we just may not know yet. I hope that's the case, but when one of your recruits come out and say that you know they were told that the offensive line coach is gonna still be there, you know, hopefully they were just telling him that, so he'll go ahead and uh, stick to his uh, commitment. But chances are, knowing Rick, he was probably telling the truth if that was actually said. That was actually said. He's probably telling them exactly what's going to happen. Um, but I just, I just hope that at least, if not, you change the O line coach, which we all think that should some changes be made. That at least we go ahead and change our system to where it best fits our personnel. I mean, at least you got to do that as a head coach. As I said before, when I called and talked to you uh, a week or so ago. I never was a really big Rick fan because I just didn't think he won anything. But I wanted to ask you, I know he won a lot of games, but he didn't ever win anything big. And I just wanted to ask you. He never lost like this either. (laughs) Right. When we were going through the hiring process, Gary, you know, I thought we were getting ready to hire someone else. And then the word got out that Rick may have gotten, be getting fired from Georgia. Who was that person going to be? Do you know who they were looking at and about to offer the job to before we found out Rick possibly was going to get fired? 
Who Miami would have offered the job to? Yeah, who they were going to I go think with. Dan Mullen was sitting there. I think Greg Schiano was sitting there. I mean, obviously, they, they had spoken to Butch, but I don't think they had any intention of hiring Butch. Uh, right. I'm so trying to think who else was there. There was a hidden candidate, and Blake took a trip out to Oklahoma, and I got to think that trip to Oklahoma was to talk to Lincoln Riley, but I don't, I don't know that for a fact. Um, but I do, I do remember him taking a trip out to Oklahoma. Um, trying to think who else was there. Uh, I don't, uh, I don't remember who else might've been there, but I think that was pretty much it. Cause I've, I've always wondered, cause at first I remember they were saying that they had approached Rick, but he told them, you know, he wasn't interested and that was that. Right. Then and then he got, and then he got fired and, and immediately right. jumped to the top of the search. Yeah. Exactly. So what I was thinking is, okay, I'm trying to see because in my eyes as a Hurricane fan, we have missed a golden opportunity to take control of the state of Florida. With with they Florida. had control, they had it, and, and you're we, right. They gave, they let it like they let it go. You're absolutely right. Had we won, like we were we were anticipating we were going to do this year with our defense and what we had coming back, nobody could have predicted us. I'm sure a couple of people are going to say they predicted we were going to win seven games, but not loud. No, no, no way. But it was all set up for us to take over and get the recruits and be on top like we should be. That's the frustrating part for me as a fan, because I want us to be on top where we belong. And I, and, I, and one thing that sticks out in my mind, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go. So I know you got some more people. Do you remember? I know you were at the game when they played Florida State. But when they were showing mm-hmm. the telecast, after the game was over, you know how they go into the locker room and they show the emotion and the, the, the after all the stuff when the team comes in with the coach. Our team came in, and they were just going like business as usual. He had to call them back to where he was and make them start jumping all around and all of that. And I'm saying mm-hmm. that, to me, he doesn't seem like he's that – that fiery type of guy. I'm sure he gets mad. Yeah, I saw him get mad on the sideline and cuss and all of that. But like one of your callers earlier, some of the people that we don't like, like I don't like Urban Meyer. I don't like that guy from uh, Notre Dame, but he don't mind chewing ass on TV. They get right in the dude's face. If you make a mistake, they calling you out right there. Mm-hmm. They calling you out on TV. It doesn't matter. Because they expect and demand excellence. So that's, I'm just used to, you know, because football is a game of passion and execution. So I just, I wish I saw more passion from him because he just looks like a guy that's retired and chilling. That's mm-hmm. how it looks to me. So I want to ask you this one more thing. I'm going to let you go. Uh, I wanted to ask you on the situation with uh, the receiver, with uh, Jeff Thomas. Had this been yeah. ruined? Okay, so he was gonna probably leave anyway. Uh, it was re- it was it was headed towards the the conclusion that you saw. It, okay. it hasn't gone well all season with him, and they were trying and trying okay. just because he's such a good player. But uh, it was getting to the point where something was going to give, and it gave. You know, and okay. you know there was some there was a blow up on the practice field, and once that happened, you know you can't have that. So the coaches had to take a stand. Well, I, took, I took your advice, Gary. I came to Atlanta. 
I had already mm-hmm. gone to Dallas to watch the LSU game, and I came yep. to Atlanta to watch yep. Georgia Tech. Now, I don't really Sorry want about to go it. Sorry, to that, was, that was you I gave that advice no, no. to? No, it's Sorry. okay, man. I'm, I'm still a fan. That's so, a nice I'm stadium, a... though, right? You had a good time, right? Other oh, than the result? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a, that's a good spot. I like, I like that road trip. So if they – I know you hoping they don't end up in Shreveport or are you going? I don't. I can't. I, I don't think they're going to Shreveport, but I can't even figure out how I would get to Shreveport <laughs> if they go there. Last time, the last time there was a flight. There's not even a flight there now. Are you serious? Well, man, there might maybe this one. There might be one through Atlanta. I don't know, but I don't. So I don't know. I can't answer that question. But I don't think they're going to Shreveport. I think they're gonna. They're gonna get one of the other ones just because they're such a good TV draw. Nashville? Um, Nashville is not taking uh, an, a- an ACC team this year. Jacksonville is instead. Okay. They, they flip, they flip flop. So I, it's, I think okay. it's either Char- Charlotte, New York, Jacksonville, um, or El Paso. Okay. Well, man, All I right. appreciate you. I really enjoyed it. You got show. it, man. Thank I you for calling in. One next week. But leave me on Yeah, no, we're going to skip next week, and we'll do a recruiting show the night before signing day. Okay, thanks a lot, Gary. All right. Leave me on hold. All right, man. Yep, thanks for being part of the show. Let's go to the 256. You're on Kane Sport Live. Yo, what's going on, Gary? Doing great. Who's this? Yo, this is Juan from Alabama, man. What's up, Juan? Talk to us. Man, I mean, I ain't called in a couple shows because – been a complete disaster out there on the field and you know majority of the time I watch from my living room ain't been to a lot of games but I'm a big time fan and like I always say I'm down here in SEC country and I don't ever stop hearing hearing about you know Alabama Auburn whatever and I know we got them in what is it 2020 uh, 2021 when we play Alabama the first game of the season Either way, yes, and if we don't yep. get it together, we're going to get murdered out there, man. You got to build up before you play that game. You don't want to go in there with a bunch of young dudes, you know what I mean? And it it just ain't looking too hot for us, man. Uh, I mean, what was Perry? What was he, like four of uh, eight or something for 52 yards? Had it not been for Homer and DJ Dallas, I mean, Jesus. I mean, mm-hmm. let alone, I mean, just those guys on offense, but the defense, you know, they've been holding it down all year. You know, I mean, I just don't – I brought it up the last time with Rick Sung. You heard it all night. I mean, there you go. Guy needs to do something with that guy. I don't Get him out of there, you know, uh, let him move in in his basement or next door or whatever. Just get him off the coaching staff because he's horrible. Uh, as far as recruiting, I mean, I really don't even follow it like that no more because every time I look up, you know, somebody is decommitting, uh, you know, in my group that I'm on in on Facebook, they're like, oh, he would never come in here anyways and all of that. So what's the point of even following that just to get your hopes up, just for some, some young guy to say, hey, forget y'all, I'm going somewhere else. We got to get it together, man. We ain't had no good quarterback since – what I mean, really, 
Dorsey, I mean, you can kind of say with Ja'Cory Harris, I mean, he wasn't, he threw a lot of picks, but he did a lot better than a lot of these other cats. Ja'Cory Harris would be a superstar on this team. I mean, it's kind of like when I talk to my brother about football, he's a big Alabama fan. You know, Alabama good at a lot of spots, but one place that they horrible at is kicker. You think all these national titles, how come you can't get a damn kicker? Well, I mean, if Miami, you know, I mean, we kind of got our resume, our damn self, so why the hell can we not get a good quarterback or a good quarterback's coach at that? I mean, was Brad Kyle finished his senior year with a 62.5 completion percentage? The best after that was Ja'Cory Harris, his senior year, at 68.5. Malik ain't did nothing. None of these guys, man. We gotta get a, we gotta get somebody in there to transform this program, man. Because this shit is terrible. Keep me on. All hold. right, Juan, you got it, man. Thanks for calling in. Let's go to the four hundred four. You're on Kane Sport Live. What's going on, Gary? Doing great. Who's this? Uh, it's Oki. Hey, what's up, Oki? Talk to us. Go ahead. What you got? Um. Well, first off, man. I you know what. I'm a, I'm not even gonna go on the coaches route. Okay, we all know coaches got issues and everything like that. It is what it is. If Rick's gonna make change, he's gonna make it. If he doesn't, just ride with it. But um, I would I would like to see going into the off season some of these players start taking some accountability, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I would like to see. Our quarterbacks stepping up as leaders and getting together with our the rest of our skilled players during the off season and breaks and trying to build some cohesiveness together on offense because a lot of that stuff you see, man, is just plain old chemistry, man. I don't care what nobody say, man. Our guys don't put in the work like they need to be put in the work, and the coaches can only do so much. You know, we can talk about scheme, we can talk about play calling all we want, but if these guys don't want it. These guys don't want it, and they don't want to put in the work to get better. It's going to be what it's going to be. So at the end of the day, we can cry about the coaches all we want to, and everybody know I'm one of the biggest first first to point out coaching. And we got coaching issues, most definitely. We got development issues as well. But these kids got to realize that how bad how I mean how much how bad do they want to play football? I mean, how bad do they love football? Period. I mean, you hear stories of Michael Irvin talking about flying with Steve Walsh to wherever he's from and then, you know, breaks with him to try to build some type of cohesiveness with him. You don't hear that shit about, um, excuse my French, about these kids, man. I haven't heard about a story about whether it's Malik, whether it's Perry, whoever, about any of them spending time together trying to build some type of chemistry together. You know what I mean? It's like it's, yeah, it's like the good point. It's like it's like the team is clickish. You know what I'm saying? The team is clickish. You got too many clicks in the team, and that you know what I'm saying is nobody. Is, I don't know together. that we know that, Uki. We don't know who who hangs out with who. Like we don't know that. I'm you don't. Saying, you don't know like, that. I'm not. I'm not, uh, I'm not. I don't know that either. But what I'm saying. Yeah, is that's what I'm saying. Is, you don't I, know that. Well, my whole my whole point is this. You know what I mean? There's got to be some leadership on that team, especially on the offensive, offensive side of the ball, you know, and especially it's got to be at the quarterback position, man. Got to start putting guys together and start watching film, breaking down film, and start looking at, you know, things that they can prove on, you know. So it ain't about mm-hmm. just, you know, 
finding a you could you can go out there and hire the best offensive coordinator you want. But these, like I said, these players don't want to put in the work, man, on the off season to try to get better and try to improve their skill skill level. It ain't gonna matter. It ain't gonna matter, man, because at the end of the day, you 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 you're at the highest peak of, of you know what I'm saying when it comes to football. You're playing at Miami. You you on TV every single every single Saturday, and you have all the opportunity in the world to showcase your talents. And a lot of people are not taking advantage of that right now. So you, you got all these receivers talking about they want to transfer and you know pouting because they get ball or whatever, man. Guys just need to just look in the mirror and start to get just get it together, man, and just. Yeah, I agree with you, you on know. that. I mean, like Mark Pope has no business being being mad at anybody. I mean, you know, it's not easy. It's not anybody's fault that he was rated five star coming out of high school. Okay, but yeah. once you step foot on on the college campus, it's a whole new ball game. Exactly. You know, you got to keep mm-hmm. you know build up your strength, live in the weight room, come back next year stronger, more explosive, exactly. and see if you could do better and study the damn playbook. You know. Stop blaming. Stop, up, stop looking for somebody to blame. You know. Man, we need we're straight up. We just need some football junkies, man. That eat, breathe, eat, live, live this, man. If these cats mm-hmm. wanted to be great football players as much as they wanted to be IG celebrities, celebrities, they, they we'll be hella, we'll be hella fire team, man. But you know what I'm saying? Don't seem like they they want it that bad. And then, I mean, at the end of the day, you know what I mean, like. These 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 cats talking about you know what I'm saying t- want to talk NFL and all stuff like that. Man, they need to put that t- talk to the back burner, man, and get it. You know what I'm saying, and, and really mm-hmm. work on their craft and develop and get better. Straight up, you know what I'm saying. It, it ain't all about the coaches, you know, even though they got their downfalls. You know what I'm saying. They they need to get better and they need to, you know, rake out and make the changes where he feel like the changes need to be be dealt at. But at the end of the day, you know what I'm saying. These players gotta gotta take some accountability as well too. So it ain't, it ain't all about the coaches, man, straight up. But that's all yeah. I got. All right, Uki, thanks for calling in, man. Good hearing from you. Let's go to the 786. You're on Kane Sport Live. Gary, how you doing, my friend? Doing great. Who's this? It's everything, bro. Oh, hey, what's up, man? How you been? You're in late uh, tonight. Go ahead, busy. shoot. You got yeah, the mic. Man, Talk busy, to us. Busy day. Busy day, busy day. Uh, let's just want to touch upon a few things. I, I, I have to tell you, next to that North Carolina game, this was the most impressive defensive uh, performance I've ever seen these kids have in the last, I don't know, five, six, seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they were just they were just so dominant. Uh, kudos to Manny Diaz and his and the entire defensive staff. Um, just I just can't believe that that uh, we're at we're at, but you know, it's, that's not a that's not something that's going to be well received at any time, but especially when you have such a dominant defense that nationally, uh, I mean, the, the numbers prove what they've done, um, and, uh, and and then to see the uh, the 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 kick at the end with the ACC not selecting uh, Willis, who's I mean, don't might go in the top fifteen right now. Um, you know, it, it, this is really disappointing. But like I told you a long time ago, one of the biggest mistakes we ever did was to join the ACC. Financially, it was the smartest thing to do. But with regards to everything else, one of the worst things we've ever done. And we're always going to get hosed. Uh, whether it's on the field, it's in the control booth, in the replay booth, it's, it's never going to end. 
Um, but uh, I, I just wanted to point that out. Just, just so impressed with what these kids did. And, um, I saw earlier today you guys posted that you're thinking that only one kid is going to be leaving. Uh, let me tell you, the Robert Baileys of the world, they're, they're, they're hundreds of them, and they're out there. They're all telling Pick Me to go, and they're telling Shaq to go. And it's it's they're telling Homer. To yeah, go. but I mean, they, but those but those kids are going to be better educated this time around. You know, they're not going to make I, the same really mistakes down so. there that they made last year. I really hope so, Julie. I really hope so. Uh, with Joe Jackson, you know, Mark and CMR is meeting kids throughout the year. You know, they kid a little catch a couple tight ends next year as a tight end. You know, doing all these different things. So he, he's done for a full year. He's not. Nah, gonna they're go. joking around. Joe Jackson's going to go. He's got to go. He's he, done. He's, he's, he's maxed done. out. He's yeah, no, he's he he's yeah, he's he's got to go. He's prototypical. He's got incredible athletic ability. He's tall, lean. I mean, he's gonna go. Gary, I gotta ask you something about him real quick. He's had that brace on all year. How much has that impacted his play? Don't know. I mean, he's been playing pretty well the last four or five weeks. Yeah, you know, one of the biggest things is your hands and your leverage, and you know having a brace on your left arm. I mean, that really can't be helpful. But um, no, no, he's been yeah, playing pretty well. Yeah, yeah. And, and last thing, um, recruiting wise, you know, I, I I asked you last week, and I really told you I didn't think Tarquin's going to stick. Um, but what Mom posted on social media. How much value do you give to that right now? Do you think he's just going to go forward this week and say, yeah, that might play for me, or do you think he's going to stick with us? I don't know. I mean, the signs aren't good. I mean, he's committed to Miami, and he's posing for pictures with Florida coaches. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I got the feeling he's gone. I got the feeling he's gone. Uh, Yeah, I have that feeling, too. He's gone. My take is he's gone, uh, which is very sad because we are in such dire need of of offensive linemen, and even though this kid's hurt, and he's he's going to be, I think he's still recovering, doing therapy and all that. Even though it's going to take a while, he still has a chance to play. And that, that's it's extremely disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what I'm what I'm locking that right now. I'm looking at it. I'm just hoping we can lock him in a little bit more and get him a little closer. The freak. What's your vibe on the freak right now? My vibe on the freak is Miami. Yeah, the baby. That's what I want to hear. That's what I want to rump, hear. The, last the rumpster's going to get his guy, and then what are you going to say? Hey, rumpster, <laughs> if, if rumpster doesn't get it, and I know that most of your stories always put that, you know, uh, Ephraim uh, Band has been doing most yeah, of the Yeah, Band has been the lead recruiter on him. I'm just kidding. He's been the you. primary guy. He's been the yeah. primary guy. As he should be. As he, he should be. Not, you, know the, you know Tyreek's being recruited as a safety, right? Yes, sir. And yeah, okay. I, I, and I and I gotta tell you one more. I, I was wrong about Al Blades. I never thought that kid was gonna play corner. He's gonna play corner next year. I think he's gonna be. I think, I think he's. I think he's gonna be just fine. Uh, ball game, Gary. I mean, come on, tell tell me anything. So I, I I'm not going to Shreveport, man. I ain't doing that. So I, I think it's gonna be Jacksonville, there. but until they commit to it, I don't know. Yeah, I look forward to giving you a call in two weeks. That's correct. Next yeah, two weeks. Well, yeah, we'll do a recruiting show night before signing day. All right. That that'll be the day before signing day, correct? Yep. Yep. Tuesday night, the eighteenth. Uh, Very Yep. Care. You got take it, man. Care, Thanks okay. for calling in. We got another call from the seven eight six. You're live on King Sport Live. You with us? 
786, going once, going twice. All right, you're out. Let's go to the 703. You're on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, this is Evan Dora. How you doing? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing tonight? Uh, I'm all right. Um, I think a lot of people are missing the boat, especially blaming people like Ron Dugans. We're completing about 12 to 15 balls a game and playing about six to eight receivers. So each guy gets about two or three shots a game, really, to catch a ball. So, I mean, I, I, I agree. Really and that's not, are... that's not good enough, man. You can't, like, you're not going to build anything like that. Jeff Thomas looked worlds better this year than he did last year. I thought all the receivers looked better this year than they did last year. I thought Wiggins for uh, unheralded freshman looked great. You know, I mean, true freshmen don't go out there and tear the field up. I don't know where these people get this stuff from. Um, Part of it is the kids The kids expect to do it. I don't know how they – I don't know what they're thinking. But they think they're going to walk right into college and be superstars. I – you know, I mean, I, I'm around the St. Thomas program a lot, and I think those kids do better because they play against better competition than the public school kids do. And a lot of the public school kids have just never been challenged the way those kids have. So they come out there and think they can do the things they've been doing, and they it, it's a real hard lesson their freshman year usually. So a lot of those kids aren't going to do that. And you can hire all the offensive coordinators you want. Who's going to play quarterback? 50% completion percentage is – Terrible. You can't do right, anything gotta, on offense. You got to hope a grad transfer emerges that's better than what they're playing with. I, I don't know who and, that and guy is, why, I, but you know. That's why last year there was last year there were three or Bryant, four of them. Or they didn't. They didn't want Kelly Bryant. They didn't want um, the, uh, Jalen Hurd. These guys are Jalen Hurd is a freak of an athlete, way better than Rozier or um, our kid who starts now. Nicosi, not even close, not even not, not even a conversation. And then Cozy, he's got a nice skill set, but he hasn't been developed at all. I mean, he's raw, he's raw as can be out there. He's got a whip of an arm. He's not really a running quarterback. So he, it's just going to be more of the same next year, even if you hire an offensive coordinator. You're still going to have a guy who can't get people the ball. And the most frustrating thing about me, about this team, and what terrifies me is that the state of Florida – does not produce quarterbacks like Texas and California. There are successful quarterbacks that come out of Florida, Tim Tebow, um, Lamar Jackson, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, Shoelace. If Florida gets their hands on one of these guys and you give that coach one of those guys, they are going to run away with the state. If we can't – the QB recruiting for us has been so lazy it's incredible. Oh, let's take the tall kid from IMG down the road. We have one of our alumni works there. He could have told us the kid was trash. Why we held on to that kid for so long is beyond me. And it's all indicative of a guy in Mark Rick who's doing way too many things. He can't be the play caller, the offensive coordinator, train his son to be a QB coach, all while getting fired from Georgia from doing one thing. Georgia's a very easy job. You own the state with no in-state a threat of recruiting uh, anybody taking your players. Every player you want from Georgia, you get down, dip down into Florida, and you can win 10 games and no one really cries that much. Mark Rick is in for a shock if he loses that game to Florida next year. And it's coming, too, if he can't find a quarterback. We're going to get throttled that game if we walk in there with the same offense as we did this year. And if we do, Florida's going to run away with the state because Florida State's a mess. 
And Rick, you know, I'll give him this. I don't think he's the kind of guy who's going to hold us hostage uh, with his contract. I don't really care that we gave him the more uh, the more years. I think if it goes bad, he's the type of guy who will walk away because he's old enough to do so. But if you don't get a quarterback, all this pie-in-the-sky ideas of hiring this guy and hiring that guy, it really doesn't matter. When it comes to the offensive line, I don't even know what our offense is supposed to be. So who are you going to target? Right? Are we targeting road graders? Is that what Rick wants? Do we want a running offense? Or do we need pass blockers? So what guys are you going to target if you don't even know what offense you can run? It's just it's mind-boggling the situations that people worry about when all these factors combined, our roster should walk through the coastal, even with the QB situation. People forget is I hated Rozier, but when we won 14 to 15 games in a row, we learned how to win. We learned the formula. Okay, yes, we were going to have to give him a bunch of short fields. We were going to have to do this. We were going to have to do that. He was going to waste a bunch of them. But when the games got close, we won them and the team was together. When we lost that first game at LSU this year, it it all fell apart. And the team has no clue how to win uh, like they did when they won those 15 games in a row. I Mm -hmm. bailed on Rick when he lost four games in a row his first year. Good coaches do not lose four games in a row. Four games in a college season is crazy, especially our schedule's as easy as I've ever seen it. To lose four games in a row every season he's been here is absolutely shocking with the uh, talent advantage we have over the rest of our conference. It's, it, it's amazing. What do people think they're going to do? BC's suddenly going to have a top ten recruiting class and, and beat us out for the Coastal? We're still going to be the favorites every year. I mean – I just think people are putting their worries in uh, a lot of different uh, areas, like Ron Dugans, uh, Thomas Brown. Do you know it's impossible for them to recruit right now with how bad our offense is, and they still do extremely well. So I, I just, you know, we have Lingard who barely played this year. We have the kid from uh, Carroll City who's backing him up. I have no clue why we're not uh, recruiting Naquan Wright, but. And that, that actually, that'll be my final question. Why are we not recruiting Naquan Wright with all with the running back position falling out of control? Don't know, don't know. Well, I mean, they've got other backs they're, they're recruiting. I mean, you look at that DJ Williams kid; he he looks pretty good. They just they just got on a kid in Texas who looks pretty good. So I guess there's just other guys that they think are better. That's all. Anyway, Evan, I gotta let you go. It's time to go to, go home. Um, give us a call in two weeks. Great call. All right. Great comments, man. Thank you. All right. All right, guys. I want to thank everybody that called in tonight and tonight's show. I want to thank Sicilian Oven for sponsoring our show all season long. You know, I was driving through Plantation yesterday and was feeling kind of hungry, so I stopped into Sicilian Oven's Plantation location. I had one of their pizza lunch specials, and, man, it was so good. I ordered an extra pie and took it home for my wife. And, uh, Sicilian oven, you've heard me talk about them all season. Just a great meal. You could begin with appetizers like homemade Tuscan bread with olive oil, garlic, rosemary, and shaved Parmesan or Sicilian bruschetta. They have calamari and mussels, meatballs, and rice balls. Um, You move on to their pizzas. They have classic pizzas with traditional toppings, gourmet and select pizza combinations that are really unique. My favorite, it's called the Joey D. It comes with meatballs, ricotta, and shave Parmesan. If you don't want pizza, they have those, those wings I've been talking about. They're marinated for 24 hours in Italian herbs and spices, and they're served with caramelized onions, soups, sandwiches, salads, pastas, 
No matter your taste, you find something great. It's a Sicilian oven. They got six locations for you to choose from. Plantation at the Fountains, off University, Aventura, 205th in Biscayne, Coral Springs, Sample Road at 101st, Lighthouse Point, 2486 North Federal Highway in Lighthouse Point, and the Boca location at St. Andrews Boulevard next to Publix. And then there's that new location that has the full liquor bar on Oakland Park Boulevard in Fort Lauderdale, just west of Bayview. So get on over to Sicilian Oven. Uh, you won't regret it. Uh, check them out at Sicilian Oven at SicilianOven.com. No Cane Sport Live next week. We're going to take next week off, uh, give Mark Rick a little bit of a break, and then we'll come back in two weeks, uh, the night before signing day, September the 18th, and we'll slice and dice up um, where the recruiting class stands as they go into that early signing date, which really has become the new signing date because the greater majority of kids sign early now, the way the system works. All right, everybody, thank you for uh, joining the show. We'll keep an eye as the week goes on on what the bowl destination is, and uh, we'll report that to you at canesport.com along with all the recruiting news minute by minute every day. Good night, everybody. <laughs>